Welcome to Complete Edition, the podcast between a PlayStation Trophy Hunter and an Xbox Achievement Hunter. This is episode 16. I'm your host, Compulsive Nerd, and I am joined by AJ. How you doing, dude? I'm doing well. Uh, I'm excited for tomorrow because my OLED is going to arrive. Oh, you got so, an OLED, dude? I totally missed this. This is so awesome. Yeah, I, uh, I, yeah, I ordered a, uh, an LG C1. And I'm getting it for my room, and it's good timing. I mean, I'll, I'll be playing Halo Infinite on it when it comes out as well, so it's going to be like the full setup. It's going to be awesome. Dude, and, tag me when you talk about it, because I want to see your reactions. Like, it definitely was a big game changer for me, because like, there was this time period where HDR was starting to come around, and like during the PS4, um, Xbox One generation, and they were like, HDR, so many more colors and all this stuff, and I, I still feel like it's kind of a gimmick, but it. If it is if it is Im- implemented correctly, it does look really good. But my whole point got- is, whenever I got an OLED, I was like, "This is a change in colors. This looks incredible. Like this is definitely game changing." And when people like dismiss OLED, I'm like, "Oh, you don't. You've never seen it because this is not a gimmick like some things are. Because there are totally very obvious gimmicks. Like you, you're like, I want to convince myself that this isn't that, but it is. You know what I mean?" Yeah, I was going to say that on my um on your Series X, I assume it's similar for for PS5, but you know there's all these like new features with, you know, the next gen of consoles in terms of, you know, 120 FPS. Uh the Xbox Series X supports variable refresh rate as well, you know, HDR, Dolby Vision, you know, all all that stuff, right? There's probably some that I'm even forgetting, but for me on my TV right now, it's just a like 1080p 60 FPS like LED TV, I- I'm pretty sure. So when you go to that menu where it like tells you everything that's enabled, it's just a bunch of red crosses. Like, nope, your TV can't do this, your TV can't do that, your TV like e- e- it can't do like anything. And then I'm- with this new TV, it's like the complete opposite where it can do like absolutely everything. You know, it can do 4K, it can do 120, it can, you know, HDMI 2.1 vrr like it's got you know hdr it's got dolby vision it's got everything it seems so it's uh, it, it's exciting it's very exciting i'm so excited for you and like dude i can't like you're going from 1080 to 4k so that's big but then you're also just getting this incredible color range that's going to be so awesome plus you're about to play halo infinite and i'm gonna play halo infinite so that's like super fucking pumped like yeah, we should, I mean, we should do a spoiler cast on that for sure. Yeah, we should. I I want uh as well. Like it, I think um I think the 120 FPS mode in Halo Infinite's at 1440p as well, which is pretty good. I think That's it's even good. for the even for the campaign, which is surprising. So I want that 120 for especially for multiplayer because just having having double the frames is such an advantage in terms of you know reaction time and like like it is just an absolute advantage and i know that from you know playing like counter-strike i've got i think 144 hertz monitor um and i could notice the difference with like my pc upgrade and it's like oh god every every game has to be like this now so i'm glad that you know i've got i've got the console i've got the pc and now now it's the tv and everything's sort of falling into place hopefully so it's awesome yeah that's so exciting and uh then the game awards are rolling around and sadly I will not be watching them the night of. I will probably be putting my phone on like do not disturb because I'm going to a concert and then I'll just like go home after the concert. It'll probably be like midnight or so and I'll just watch the awards like straight through until like 3 (laughs) a.m. And then, 
and then I'll probably get back like on Discord or something. But I'm still excited as hell for the for the Game Awards. Yeah, yeah, same. I'm gonna watch it live. I think uh, maybe get in a call with a couple of friends to sort of just make fun of it. You know, I, I like right. doing that kind of thing. I like doing that at E3 as well. It's nice just to sort of you know live react with people and just you know take the piss and and all that kind of thing oh absolutely and i do that with my friends too like a watch party it's like the most fun thing to do that's like the way to to do it honestly yeah for sure yeah i mean i'm excited about halo as well i i have to bring up the infamous fantasy critic league damn um, it because (laughs) reviews dropped for halo infinite's campaign and overall and it's a an 86 on Metacritic. It keeps going between 86 and 87 today. So, you know, we had, we we sort of debated it on the show before, whether you'd get points from counterpicking it. And right now you're going to lose 16 points uh, from counterpicking it because it's way over the 70 out of 100 that it needed. And yeah, I, I mean, but to be fair to you, you know, I, I said it was a mistake to counterpick it. Other people did. But I think I think when we discussed it on the show, I think you also knew that you know you'd you'd made a big mistake by that point that it that it wasn't gonna yeah work I fucked out. up. And now I've played through all the Halos, so there's a there's like a little bit of a part of me now that's grown and it's like you idiot, you dumb idiot, you year ago Cole, <laughs> you know it's like yeah I mean it's it it's such a consistent series of not necessarily being like you know 10 out of 10 masterpieces but of at least being decent right like that they've Mm. even you know people don't like halo 5 very much but even you know halo 4 and halo 5 people are like these are still okay these are still you know pretty good so even when it's at its lowest it's kind of still considered a good series so it's yeah it it was uh was not the best decision in the world but i will say you know i think I think reviews are still maybe a bit above where a lot of people would have perhaps expected because there was that E3 demo or E3 time period demo where a lot of people didn't like the look of the game and they thought it was, you know, and we saw as well the um, the like creative director of the game left twice. Like they like one of them left, another one came in, he left or something like that. So, you know, there were signs that and, you know, people didn't like Halo 5 that much. They thought it was OK and the multiplayer was good, but the campaign kind of sucked. So, you know, that there were a lot of signs where it was like, hey, this game could be in like real, real trouble. And it has had a bad development cycle. I think the, the project has been sort of rebooted a couple of times internally um, and like restarted. So, you know, that there were bad signs, but I'm glad that, you know, obviously we don't have opinions on the campaign yet because we haven't played it. But so, so it's just going off of what critics have said at the moment. But it sounds like that extra year that they gave it, the delay was a good idea. And um, for, from my perspective, it's nice to see because, you know, what we saw with Cyberpunk and battlefield recently it's like they came out like way too soon like they needed more patches they needed more work before they released them so it's nice that that for this game they delayed it and it seems to have seems to have worked out for the better because there's some stuff with this game where it does seem still a bit bare bones and it's kind of like at the acceptable point of being bare bones whereas if it launched a year ago it probably would have been like there would have been even fewer features and it would have been probably broken as well and that would have been a complete disaster so yeah i'm happy to see the reviews i'm excited to play myself to see you know to see to see what it's all about but you know i've been loving the multiplayer as we've discussed 
Right. And I still have to try to play that with you. But um, one of my friends, so we were supposed to start Halo 5 and then I was not going to play it um, alone. I want to play it with my friend and we just couldn't get together to do that. And he was like, he said something and I was like, dude, if you were in the discord that I'm in, you would be torn apart because he said, he said, Halo 5 is the worst story, but the best gameplay in all of the series. And I was like, oh, God, <laughs> whoa, whoa, dude, you'd be torn apart right now. I, I, I get torn apart for my rankings. Like, it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not sure necessarily because um, people really like the multiplayer of Halo 5. Like, really? the Halo community and, and people generally. I mean, if you look at, like, Metacritic, Halo 5 has, I think, an 84. So it's like... The campaign kind of really, really sucks, but the multiplayer is pretty good. And Halo 4 was kind of the opposite. Um, the only problem with the multiplayer, I'd say, and the reason you know your friend might get dragged, is that a lot of the game doesn't feel like Halo in a way. Like there's like thrusters and like mantling and stuff, and you know sprinting. You know that was in Halo 4 and Halo Reach as well. And the sprinting is like really fast as well. And the maps are sort of designed to. I think they call it like advanced mobility. It came out at a time where, you know, Titanfall was out and those futuristic Call of Duty games where you also add like the jetpacks and stuff. It was like, it's like a, a a time capsule in a way because all the sort of first person shooters were going in that direction of like enhanced mobility stuff. And, you know, for some games it worked out really well and for some games it didn't. And I think it didn't really work for Call of Duty and it didn't really work for Halo, but it, it worked for Titanfall and it, you know, works for Apex. And I think it, you know, what they've done with the like grappling hook and stuff in Infinite, I think works really well as well. So yeah, I think in terms of that, like I can understand loving the gameplay of, of Halo 5. It's just I think from like a purist perspective, people might have a problem with it because it's sort of like it's sort of, you know, quote unquote not Halo, whatever that means. No, I know what that means now because like I I I hate to say this, but it has more of like a stiff feeling with like the old Halos because it's so, it's weird. It's stiff, but precise, right? And this one, like the Halo 4 and Halo 5, I feel like they're like a little less accurate, a little bit more wild. And like just that feeling doesn't feel like Halo. Like I miss the carbine where it would just be like pinpoint accuracy. It's not like I'm aiming and then I'm getting like a random circle of of, of hit points. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I think the way I'd maybe describe what you're talking about, I'm not sure, but it's kind of like the the old Halos feel a bit more tactical, I guess. Yeah, like they they very feel much. you you feel like you sort of you look at the battlefield and you sort of think about how you're going to approach it and there's like you know, you know what all the weapons do and what they counter and you're sort of you're going like slow and steady and you know as well that if you like overcommit to a gunfight, you can't just like you can't just like you know, dodge out the way and, you know, like sprint away and slide behind cover. Like you can't, you can't like sprint back and forth. And so, so you've got to be really sort of thoughtful and precise about what you do in those games. You know, you're sort of like, you know, Master Chief as a character, he's sort of like a big, you know, big lump of metal, basically like, you know, he's really hard to kill, but he's not, you know, this dodge rolling, you know, slide sprinting sort of character. He's, He's, you know, pretty, pretty bulky, pretty slow. And you sort of feel that in the gameplay. And so Halo 5 sort of went away from that and they made, you know, the Spartans all, you know, like they're super soldiers, but now they just sort of do everything. You know, they sort of zip around and they're really 
tanky as well, and it kind of made the series lose a bit of its identity. But I think, you know, I can understand the other perspective as well of like you want to get you know Halo to the modern to the modern day, and Halo isn't. It, it's always been awkward, or or you know, awkward in one way, but also a beautiful middle ground in another way because it's sort of not quite as tactical as a game like Counter-Strike or Rainbow Six Siege or, you know, those types of games or like, you know, the military sim shooters, but it's also not like Twitch shooter, like, you know, a Call of Duty or um, a Titanfall or, or sort of a Battlefield, I guess. But, you know, in terms of the amount of health you have and the enemies have. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like in between the two. And so getting the balance right and not going like too far in one direction or the other, you want the game to be really accessible, but you also still want to have that identity. And I think Halo Infinite in terms of the multiplayer does it amazingly. I think it modernizes the game in a really great way and, you know, but also respects and loves the past. So I I think it does a fantastic job. I, I really think I'm going to love the multiplayer. Back whenever I used to play multiplayers, I tended to go more towards games with a higher time to kill. I think that it's a lot more fun. I hate see first, die first. You know what I mean? Like, that is not fun. Like, it's not fun to me. It never has been. And I love where I can get shot in the back and I can panic, but I can turn a corner and I can start to, like, think of something on the spot and be like, can I get out of this situation? Because it's not just like, oh, this guy's going to shoot me with one bullet and it's over. It's over. Like, I would have got shot in the back on Call of Duty and been done. Like, it's over. Yeah, the, the combat pacing to this game is so, to this series is so unique to it and so, like, perfect in my opinion. I mean, like, the way it works in, like, Infinite and, and in the other Halos as well is that when you're getting an enemy's shields down, you can basically shoot them anywhere. But then once their shields are completely depleted, one headshot will then kill them at that point. But if you still like shoot them in the body, it'll actually take five or six more shots. So it like, it's like to get their shields down, it's like really scrappy and you can shoot them anywhere and you can like, you know, EMP them and use plasma weapons and all this stuff. But then once you've like got the shields down, it becomes like a precision gunfight and becomes more of that. Like I've got to try and shoot them in the head to like get them down quickly. And that just feels so satisfying because it means that, you know, on the one hand, when you're shooting someone and when you're the guy that's got their shields down, you're going for that like perfect aim, like that perfect shot to finish them off. And that feels so satisfying to do. But then also when you're the guy who's just had your shields depleted, you know that they've got to land a headshot on you to finish you. So you've got this like opportunity to dodge out the way and to like put an object between you and the enemy and just like, you know, throw a grenade as you run backwards, for example. And you know, so if they follow you, they get like blown up by the grenade and stuff like that. Like you've got these options where it's not just like, I'm just dead. I'm immediately dead. Uh, and yeah, I love, I love the multiplayer pacing and I love the, I love the medals as well. And the announcer for the, for the medals, you know, the killing spree and all that, where it, where it gives you that voice when you've, when you've got it, it's just so iconic. There's a, there's a medal in halo infinite. I love that's called perfect. And you get like the, the cool voice when you get it and what it's for is with a precision weapon it's where you hit like every shot in a row and get like the perfect kill with it with like the minimal amount of shots of of an enemy from like full health and full shields to zero so it's like it's like three bursting a guy with the battle rifle and then having the final bullet like finish him off with a headshot or whatever and it's just like it, it and then you get that medal pop up and you get that voice and it's like 
hell you just feel like a god like you just feel like an absolute legend that's so awesome yeah man i i am really excited for infinite which is crazy because you know <laughs> we're running a playstation half half xbox and it's been like all xbox lately just because i wanted to catch up for this event it's it's an it's a and it's it's a gaming event that's what it is and i i'm so happy to be here now like caught up i haven't yeah, been live the- but i'm i'm so close yeah, and they've, um, I mean, it's been interesting from, like, the PlayStation, you know, Xbox perspective, because PlayStation were really strong at the end of last year, and at the start of this year, and now, at the you know, with, you know, like, Demon Souls, Returnal, Ratchet, you know, just, you know, Miles Morales, you know, Astro's Playroom, like, like you know, they, they were releasing tons and tons of games, of exclusive games, and, you know, they were the conversation, and then, you know, with Horizon being pushed back and God of War being pushed back, and Xbox's own games were pushed back last year, if that makes sense. Like, their games were pushed back last year into late this year. And then, you know, some of Sony's games were pushed back that were going to be late this year into sort of early next year. And so you've got this situation where the last few months have sort of been like all Xbox. And then, you know, but earlier in the year, it was like all PlayStation. So it's like, it's quite, it's quite, I don't know. It's quite it's quite cool and quite weird. It's sort of surprising how it's all worked out because, yeah, you know, you know, Bethesda published Deathloop on PlayStation, and you know that's kind of like half half because it's PS5 exclusive, but you know, companies owned by Microsoft. And then, you know, you had Psychonauts two, you had Age of Empires four, you had Forza Horizon five, and now you've got Halo Infinite, and it's like they've all just come out in like the past three or four months, just like you know, boom, 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 sort of at like a, a weird pacing and I, I remember it used to be it feels like it used to be the case where they'd really spread out releases both um you know all like the the first parties would but now it seems like there's less anxiety about when you release a game and you can release games quite close together you know sony did it with ghost of Tsushima and the last of us part two of course as well and it worked out great for them so it's like it's like you just sometimes get these periods of time where it's just like the first party is just like we're releasing this and then we're releasing this and then we're releasing this. and it's just like they combo the games together almost and it's just it's just a really exciting time in that sense and uh it, it's cool to see yeah it is really a great time right now like just this part of the year man it is so hype like you know my friends and i have just been playing the the goatee contenders um trying to catch up before the awards and that, which i think i'm going to jump right into what we're chasing if that's cool yeah but uh it's been so much fun just playing these games and when people say like 2021 was a bad year for games i was like i just keep thinking like i don't have you played some of these contenders they're really fun they're really like i'm having a damn good time do i think it's one of the strongest years ever no do i think it's a bad year for games and no sense of the word bad it is awesome psychonauts 2 is i haven't played it yet but i'm playing psychonauts 1 and it is awesome like what a cult classic i fucking I, I, you know, right off the bat, whenever I saved and it said, like, don't remove your PS2 memory card, I just felt so much nostalgia. And I'm like, all right, I'm I'm in already. Like, I just love old games. And no matter that's why I've been playing through the Halo collection. Like, it doesn't matter the age of a game. If a game is good, it's going to stay good, which is why I always argue, like, I just can't get behind multiplayer games for game of the year because, you know, in a couple years, they're going to be fucking servers down. They're not going to be playable. It just... It's like one of those things where it's just dead. And and this game is, I don't even know how old, almost 20 years old. And it's so fucking good. But what did you want to say? Yeah, it's, um, 
on on this year being a weak year or not, I think it's 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 difficult, right? I mean, first of all, it's inherently subjective. It's going to be different to everyone, right? Which years are strong years, which years are weak years. But there are, you know, historically stronger years and historically weaker years. Absolutely. What, what I'd say about this year for me is I think I kind of think people have maybe some level of a bias for you know when there's when there's a year with like a you know a last of us or a halo 3 or something like that where it's like one game that like everyone's like you know 90 you know 95 94 out of 100 or whatever you know metacritic like like really like obvious game of the year you know game of the generation type game but i i find that those games seem to sort of take all the oxygen out of the room and you know, people people don't talk about anything else. Essentially, like like that year just becomes known for like that one huge game, right? And sometimes you get two of those games, and those are really strong years. You know, I, I know God of War and Red Dead Redemption Two came out in the same year, and you know that was like hyped. But you know, there's years where it's like GTA Five comes out, and it's like everything's just about GTA Five, basically. Like you know that that's it. You know, Minecraft comes out, and everything's just about Minecraft. So. You know, and I, and I'm not necessarily a, a huge fan of that. Like it, like I, I like to see that definitely, but I think that I I like when you get a year where there's like loads of different bangers in like different genres that give you sort of a wider I don't know taste of the industry I suppose, and I think this year has been really great for that. You know, so despite not having this one standout flagship necessarily. Although, you know, maybe some people might say Halo Infinite, you know, could be that potentially. I, I think that you've got this, like, you know, whether it's Ratchet and Clank or Deathloop or Resident Evil Village or Psychonauts 2 or Forza Horizon. I mean, you've got right there, you've got like an amazing platformer, you know, Bowser's Fury on Nintendo Switch as well. You've got like amazing platformers. You've got, you know, and, and you can count Ratchet and Clank in that as sort of a hybrid action action game you know action adventure game you've got those types of experiences you've got you know a a great survival horror game you've got an amazing racing game you've got some great shooter like you've got quite a lot to choose from and yeah i i don't necessarily agree that it's been a weak year i think stuff like inscription as well in the indie space i mean it's it's been pretty good i know i know there's been some maybe it's like a i don't know a mid-year it's not a terrible year. It's not the greatest gaming year of all time, but it's it's pretty great. I'd take this over the average, I think. Yeah, and you encapsulated everything I was thinking so perfectly. It just is so spread out. The wealth is so spread out that it doesn't feel like one thing is dominating it. And that's what I love. It's this competition of like so many games can be so good that whenever the game of the year discussion is happening, it's like all of these games are great. Like they're really, really good. You should play them because they're not all the genre, the same genre. They're all so vastly different. It's just a great display of what this industry can do. And I I fucking love it. I forgot to mention like, you know, Returnal, you know, the premium roguelike game, you know, you've got uh, little little nightmares too. You've got guardians of the galaxy. There's, there's so much up there right now that you've almost got like, you've, you've probably got an excellent game from pretty much, every genre people really love age vampires 4 that's like an rts game like you've got so many different games this year that people consider uh fantastic and for their specialized genre and i think that's 
that's brilliant, really, because a lot of the time, you know, when you have that like one standout, it dominates perhaps a bit too much in terms of the the discourse. And then if you're not a big fan of that genre, you're sort of left out in the cold, right? Whereas this year, it feels like there's something for for you, no matter what you know genres you love, no matter what platforms you play on. There's something wherever you are, which I think is really, really exciting to me, at least. Yeah, and dude, we've talked about our favorite genres to hunt and or to play in general. And for me, action adventure is like one of my tops. It's like absolutely top tier favorite. Like whenever I play a game that's action adventure, I just lose myself in it. And Guardians of the Galaxy, I just finished. I have I after my first playthrough, one whole playthrough, I have three trophies left. So it's like I was just thoroughly like in that game and. I did everything I could. I looked for collectibles. I was searching every corner and I didn't even use a guide. I just fucking was in it. And the game for me is my runner up to game of the year. Like that game is awesome. Great action adventure. Probably like one of the best I've ever played in the action adventure genre because I think that they did something really special with the dialogue in that game, which is something that we haven't seen a lot, which they just tried to minimize how much dialogue repeats. And that is incredibly immersive, incredibly immersive. And I just remember, or I just, as I was going through, I was just thinking like, man, these, these characters are just so good. Like they're the top, they're peak of, of the genre, like better than all of the movie MCU characters. Like they just are so much more fleshed out and they have story and it's not just done in like an hour, you know, it's, it's incredible. And I just, I was told to play it by one of my friends and I picked it up on Black Friday and I was not let down. And that that just like speaks to where we're at with Game of the Year. And I don't even think it's nominated for Game of the Year at all. Yeah. Like it, it's it got a category for an award, like best action adventure, I think. Yeah, there's so many games this year that I haven't had time to play that are in that conversation. And that just, you know, it just shows the strength of the year. I mean, like, I was just thinking about it, you know, in terms of narrative, right? Like people love Guardians of the Galaxy. Life mm-hmm. is Strange was was a banger this year, you know, as much as I hate to admit it. You know, there's stuff like the Forgotten City coming out as, you know, that have come out and people love that as well. It's like, you know, whereas again, like you might have a, you know, you'll have some years where the same couple of games will be nominated for like every single category. And then that's just like, that's it. I I quite like the, you know, the idea of like, you've got every genre has got like its own sort of front runner game and then and then it all sort of meshes together really well i think i think that's awesome so yeah i mean i know that if we if we ever do like our own you know game of the year type thing i mean first of all i've got to play a bunch more stuff and then secondly i don't think we'd struggle to come up with nominations and make arguments for certain games you know i don't think it'd be sort of a dragon age inquisition or a overwatch situation uh <laughs> Yeah, I think there could be some heated debate and I think there'd be just really standout experiences this year to choose from. Yeah, and if we do do our own Game of the Year awards, we can actually inc- include Halo because we can actually be flexible with our time our timeline. So we can do it late January or early February and just take all of 2021 20, games and like put it in there. Unlike the Game Awards, which tries to fit it in before the holidays to sell as many games as possible because that's what it is. It's a marketing show. Yeah, but. I mean, it kind of as well, like we, I was thinking and talking about it earlier. I mean, the reviews for Halo Infinite, are it, it's funny because, again, it kind of highlights the problem with, with the show is that in terms of the timing is that, you know, it's at like an 87, 86 on Metacritic. So 
I think that if it was if it came out like three or four weeks ago, it probably would have been nominated for Game of the Year this year. I think, especially because it would have come out you know recently and would have sort of the recency bias thing, right? But because it it's only like valid for 2022's game awards i don't think it's scored highly enough where it will be nominated next year so it's in this weird place where like it it should be nominated and it maybe could win in terms of the 2021 awards but then next year because it's been so long ago and there's probably you know and it's not like an obvious front runner for the award there's probably going to be plenty of other stuff that is just going to take its spot because it you know it came out you know ages ago you know a whole year before next year's game awards so yeah it's just a weird like timing thing because i think like i I was thinking about it and i was like what would it take for a game to release in december to get nominated for game of the year next year and i think it happened with smash bros ultimate maybe i think that's the only example i can think of and so for me i guess it would have to be maybe it's possible in terms of halo in terms of the multiplayer scene like staying you know quite vibrant it might keep it in people's minds but also i think the other way that it happens is if it was like a Last of Us 2 style critical reception where it's like a 90, 93, 94, like where it's like a clear front runner ahead of everything else, then I think at that point it would be nominated next year. But yeah, it's just like a weird thing where it's like, if this game came out like four weeks ago, it probably would have got nominated for the main award this year. But because it's sort of in that area where it's like, the critics think it's great, but not like an immediate clear gotti. You know, they think it's like a sort of, top caliber but not you know not like a once in a generation style game that it's probably going to miss out next year because of that and it kind of all comes down to timing which is a bit of a a weird thing and probably not how it should work it's so weird too because you know they implemented the player voice award this time and halo's on that so will it if it doesn't get nominated for game of the year next year do you think that it will be also in the player voice award if they do it again I mean, probably because um, I don't know if you saw, but in the Player Voice Awards, stuff like GTA Online and Fortnite and things like that are in there as well. And those games have been out, you know, for ages. So I don't know how they determine the player's voice thing. But yeah, I mean, it it could be. I think it might. I mean, I I assume it'll be nominated for something next year, you know, like maybe like best action game or something, you know, but I don't think it will be nominated for the main award. And also, maybe there's not, because something that the Game Awards do, I feel like with certain genres, it feels like you can't have two of the same genre, if that makes sense. Like, I think the way critics view it and the way, I don't know, the well, not the awards, because it is the critics that decide, but it seems to be that people look at it as though, like, we're going to nominate a first-person shooter, what's it going to be? And it would probably be Deathloop. And so Halo almost, like, wouldn't get nominated because Deathloop's nominated and that kind of thing. Because you see that with, like indie or like smaller scale games as well where you sort of get like one indie or one smaller game a year usually and then uh platformers as well like you usually don't see multiple platformers or like multiple role-playing games nominated in the same year it's like that there's stuff where you sort of if there's a similar quality game in like the same genre you usually don't see both of them make it because people sort of decide like, oh, which FPS was the best? And so that's the one we're going to nominate type thing. So, yeah, you know, I mean, it's not it's not something that, that matters, but it is, it is a really weird situation because, yeah, it's nominated for the player's voice before it's even out, uh, but the multiplayer's out and people love the multiplayer. So people are voting for it, right? Like, it's in the top five right now, I think. So it'll probably go to the final round. 
at this rate. So it's like people people love the multiplayer, people love the game, and want to express that. And then the actual awards sort of aren't recognizing it because it came out too late for a show that's meant to be about the best games of 2021. So it's just like a a weird mess. Like, like I, I didn't think it should be nominated for the player's voice if it's not going to be nominated for the main thing. It's just so weird to nominate it for one and then not the other, right? Like, it's like at least commit to to one side or the other. I um, totally agree with you there. It's so weird, but... Have you seen round two and what like where the games are? Yeah, I'll uh so right now it's uh it takes two is at the top with thirteen percent, then it's Forza Horizon five with also thirteen percent. Another game that that wasn't nominated for Gotti. Um yep. then Halo Infinite is third at twelve percent, Metroid Dread is fourth at ten percent, and then Resident Evil Village is fifth at ten percent. And Psychonauts two is at ten percent as well, but it's below Resident Evil Village. And then below that, you've got Guardians of the Galaxy, Deathloop, uh, Ratchet and Clank, and Fortnite. And Fortnite is going to get eliminated because it's a joke. Yeah, it's dead last. It's at 5%, and yeah. the game above it is at 8%. So yeah, I, I'm, yeah, I, I guess the uh, they did the event in Fortnite, you know, swapping to like Chapter 3 or whatever, yeah. and announced like Spider-Man's coming to it, and Marcus Phoenix, and stuff like that. So maybe that gave the game a boost, sort of, again, because, you know, you, you've said it before, it's like... The other problem with these award shows is it's the the recency bias, right? Like Fortnite had a big thing that happened, and so everyone voted for Fortnite. You know, Halo Infinite multiplayer just came out, so everyone's voting for Halo. You know, it's like, you know, and and I think Halo would still probably make it anyway, but it's just, it's very dumb the way it works. Yeah, and you're exactly right. And, you know, I've talked about the recency bias before, but like, it's extremely relevant in the Final Fantasy 14 right now. Like Final Fantasy 14 is being blown up, dude. It's the final chapter. Like, did you see did you see uh what's it called? World of Warcraft like tried to copy it. Like they put out a like message and they were like our final chapter is coming, but it, like Blizzard is in such like chaos right now that people are like who gives a fuck? Like <laughs> like no one cares about you trying to copy Final Fantasy 14, but I have friends who do play that and like it's all over that and you know how many categories final fantasy 14 is in it's ridiculous on best ongoing game best multiplayer game best like community support like all this stuff and i'm like holy shit that is gonna get it all because of recency bias they literally have their final chapter released like a week less than a week ago you know like yeah that's like it's like recency bias is like a double-edged sword because it's like there's like a sweet spot that they want to hit because it's like with with Forza and Halo, they came out too late to be not like they came out just too late to get nominated, basically. And then, yes, yeah, st- stuff in like October and November has sort of an advantage. And then the other the other side of it is stuff like Hitman 3 and, you know, Little Nightmares 2 and games like that. They're sort of not in the discussion because people have forgotten about them. So it's like you get this like it's almost like the safest time to release is probably like the middle of the year or like september is probably the best time you want to put your game out if you want to get involved in these awards because it was you know stuff like jedi fallen order as well before you know it also missed the cut off and then the year after no one was talking about it anymore the whole aspect of does it deserve the award that kind of thing it's kind of not really a factor it's just like are people talking about this game is is what we're you know is what we're basically talking about here you know so it's not like a thing of like oh this game deserves it and this game doesn't deserve it you know it's like when the game comes out is directly proportional to sort of the amount of people hyping it up and talking about it and getting people to play it and that you know and and that plays such a huge role 
in what gets nominated because you know and what gets forgotten ultimately because even when you you know a lot of these outlets you know they they talk to all their staff or you know their review staff and they come together with a list and so you know death loop for example it's going to be on a lot of people's minds and you know hitman 3 isn't to some extent so it's just how it goes yeah i'm going to play death loop soon i think but I wanted to say another thing about the the Game Awards, which is this might be the first year I've not been mad about the nominees for Game of the Year. <laughs> Usually I'm mad about one thing. Like I was I was like, Breath of the Wild, not that good. Not that good. Why is it up there? I was like, if it wins, I'm going to be pissed. And then Overwatch, if I was like, I'll be pissed if it wins and it won. And then like Among Us was in there and I was like, I'll be pissed if that wins. But I just was like every year. And this year I'm like, I actually don't care who wins. Like I, I mean, I do. I want either It Takes Two, Resident Evil 8, or Psychonauts 2 to win. Like, that's honestly where I'm at, just because of the, the, like, how much love I have for the first game, which I'm not done with. But, man, I just, I can't even express how cool it is whenever you find a game that is so old, and games still surprise me every time I play something new, and I'm just like, this is awesome. Like, this is awesome. So... I'm really excited about this year, and I'm, I don't care who wins. Like I said, I mean, I'm, I'm going to watch, and I'm going to celebrate. I can't believe you're mad about Breath of the Wild getting nominated. Surely as soon as that game comes <laughs> out and the reviews come in, you're like, that's definitely getting nominated for Game of the Year. Oh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, it's the highest rated game on fucking Metacritic. It's ridiculous. Well, it's the second highest, I think. The other one's another Zelda game. Ocarina of Time is the highest yeah. rated, yeah. The, yeah, the, yeah, I mean, yeah, for me, it's usually, I'm never, I'm never usually mad. I don't think I'm ever mad about what gets nominated. I'm trying to think of a time where there's been like something ridiculous to me. But usually I, I just like making fun of what gets snubbed. So for me, the biggest one of all time and the one that kind of fully broke me in terms of caring about uh, the show in terms of from like a prestige perspective, I guess, is when Half-Life Alex didn't get nominated because that game oh, yeah. came out and I think it got like a, a 92, 93 or something. And it came out and all the reviews were like, this is the greatest VR game ever. It's not even close. It's a true, you know, successor to Half-Life 2, you know, and you see that and you're like, okay, so this is, this is a slam dunk nominee, right? At least nominee. It's probably going to win is what people were thinking when that came out because, you know, it was before Last of Us 2 came out. So, you know, you, you see that game, you see that score, the user score is ridiculously high even now. It's like absurdly high. The Steam reviews are amazing. Like the whole gaming community loves it. Everyone that plays it loves it. The critics love it. You know, it, it's for such a historic and loved IP. You're just like, okay, so this is being nominated. And then it doesn't get nominated and you're like, like, wow, okay, that's weird. That's weird. It's just, it's just sort of inexplicable. I mean, well, the explanation is that it's a VR game and not enough people play VR games, right? Because it's a an inaccessible uh, you know, hardware way to to play games. You know, right. Valve Index is ridiculously expensive. That's why it did but that's kind of a ridiculous answer because it's like like that is definitely the reason, but it's kind of a stupid reason because you think the game awards are meant to be like the highest recognition of the art form, right? Yes. Like it shouldn't be like a consumer thing. It should be like a a critic thing right like yes like you know if you look at like a film awards or whatever like you could have like if you have like a you know like a black and white silent film but it's like amazing and it's brilliant like you should you should still probably nominate it even if it's less accessible you know it's not about like what's the best you know marvel movie or whatever like what's the you know it, it's it's meant to be like this it's meant to be something that pushes the medium forwards 
And that game did it in so many areas and is so beloved that it's like, how did this slip through compared to, I don't know, like, like Miles Morales? It's like, I, like I, I'm, I'm with I'm, you. It's just such a, and, and at that point I was like, okay, so that's, you know, and again, like nothing against the games that did get nominated. It's like, whatever, I, I, I don't really care about that. It's just like, it's just when you see something that's like, okay, so this has to be nominated. Like it, it has to be. And then it doesn't. And you're like... Like what? Like like how did it? How did? And then you're like, oh, because it's it's not as accessible as the Dude, other games. We were talking about this in Discord, and this is what I was dogging on Colin about. And you know, you came and you 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 dunked on me too, which is cool. Like I get it. Everybody's got their own opinions. But man, I was saying like from a critical standpoint, you hold these games up as in like what's best. Like maybe you didn't play Half Life Alex, but if you looked at it and you're like, holy shit, look at that. That is huge for the video game industry. Hold it up. Well, no, that's no, exactly I how I feel about Returnal too. It's critically like this is a game in a genre that's done something so different and so amazing that I'm like, this is the game of the year for me. Like there's hands down nothing else that has touched it, even though my personal favorite is Guardians of the Galaxy. Like it just is. And that's totally fine. But when we when we have an award show like this, it should exactly be like what you said, where you hold up the best like of the year, the best of the year. Yeah, I mean, let, let, I should be clear. I I don't think you should ever like nominate a game that you haven't played. Like it should it should be something you've played. But that f- if you're if you're on the voting jury, mm-hmm. I think you have you should have some level of responsibility to 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 play. You know what's considered. You know, play the nominees or the preliminary nominees, or you know, have a look and think. Oh, hey, what are the highest rated games this year? If I'm going to vote on this stuff, maybe I should you know play them and then decide based on that. Like, I think that, you know, and it's stupid. This happens in the Academy Awards as well. It's not the same for the Game Awards. But, you know, the the people who vote on this stuff, they don't have to play all the nominees. You know, you could be voting on Game of the Year at the Game Awards and you could have only played one of the nominees and you could go, yep, that's the one. That's my vote. And and your vote counts like a ton if you're on that. Well, not a ton, but more than the public's, obviously, in terms of uh, if you're on, like, the, the jury. And I think that that just makes kind of a laughing stock of, the whole thing right and it's the same for the academy awards like you can vote if you're part of those that voting you know group you can vote for like best cinematography or whatever and and you can you can vote with only watching one of the five nominees and just vote for that one and you can do that and that's that's considered fine and it's just weird to me it's like i i get that if they wanted to like if they wanted to make sure that you know the people voting had sort of played everything you'd have to you'd have to sort of have like a smaller pool of voters right because not everyone has time for that and you know all these outlets you know they everyone that's voting on this doesn't have time to play every single thing that comes out or every single thing that's you know really really acclaimed so what you'd have to do is you'd have to make the pool of voters a lot smaller and essentially say like if you're going to vote on this stuff you have like you have to have you know at least tried all of this stuff and then you'd have to take it from there and then that would have the problem of being sort of unrepresentative in itself because it's such a small group. So I get the problems with the other angle as well, but it just seems, I don't know, stupid to me that you can like, you can have like a deciding vote on like game of the year. And it's like, I've only played one of the nominees and here it is. It's like, what, like, how does that make any sense? I totally agree with you. And it, it is like a hard compromise because this isn't like film, you know, where you can get five movies and you could actually do it in a day. Like you could watch them all in one day. You can't do that with games. <laughs> you cannot do that with games. And that makes it much, much harder. And it's it's just something that I don't think there is a solution for. But you're right to say like 
it's their responsibility to know like even if you haven't played that game you have to know that is a very very good game and it should be held up and like i've said this in chats and stuff but i think that returnal should be in the spot of ratchet and clank ratchet and clank is just another ratchet and clank game it is nothing like exceptionally special for game of the year it is fun it is awesome it does really cool stuff with the tech but it it's not like anything defining or different about that specific game so i was like just swap those out that should have been their duty like that should have been their duty to know that like in the genre of roguelike this is a very unique roguelike with returnal you know what i mean yeah i mean i don't you know i've not played returnal or ratchet and clank so i have no opinion like i can't be like yeah you're right or you're wrong (laughs) you know i can't say that because i don't don't know i've got no idea but in terms of yeah i mean i think that you know, from an outsider looking in, Ratchet and Clank is a lot more accessible. It's a storied franchise because I think it helps if your game is an IP that is already loved, right? I think that I don't think that's a controversial statement. You know, yeah, you know, I think if you're if you're releasing a you know God of War or a Grand Theft Auto or a Halo or a Ratchet and Clank or a Jack and Daxter or whatever, you know, if you if your franchise has a storied history, people are going to get really excited for it and they're going to be like, I want this to be awesome. Whereas, you know, Returnal, it's a new IP. The studio hasn't done a game as big as that. So it's kind of got stuff going against it already. And it's kind of stupid that that stuff is going against it because it's like, why is that before you've even played the game, there's already like a, like a stigma or it's like already playing from like a disadvantage. So it's all, yeah, it's all, I don't know, pointless and, uh, doesn't doesn't really make make much sense yeah but i still love the conversation look at how long we've been talking about it it's awesome <laughs> but let's uh let's focus in let's focus in yeah, what we're what as, we're chasing as a, we as went a, on a long tangent the, sh- the show as a uh game award shows as like a conduit for debating about video games is a good thing i think so so Absolutely. that's that's maybe the uh the value it provides if not inherent in the show itself yeah but it also to people who don't play games it it is one of those things where it gives credibility. It is something prestigious. It's like, oh, you actually have an award show. And one of the things that I have been loving to fucking look at is like, I started watching in like 2014 or 2015. I actually had watched once before then, I think, because when it was Spike, it was on Spike. And I went over to my cousins and we watched it there. But it wasn't something that I paid attention to. Okay, so I started paying attention in 2014 or 15. And the seeing the viewer rate, go up exponentially like i was just looking at it and it's like it starts out in 2014 at 1.9 million and then the next year is 2.3 million and then here it goes up in december of 2017 which is the year of horizon and breath of the wild you get 11.5 million people watching and then like last year it was 83 million so i mean exponentially started to increase like just skyrocket and i just love that because it's like oh this is a real award show. This is a like a real a real thing that people watch. And it's it's just exciting because I've you know, my whole life, it's kind of been like, I mean, I'm 26. But you know, you go to a family reunion or something. And everyone's like, what have you been doing? And it's like playing video games. And you kind of get that. Oh, like, oh, you're gonna live in your mom's basement forever. You know, you're you're no life. You don't do anything. You just play video games. And it's like, no, it's my hobby. And I love to do it. And it, it's become something where it's like, Oh, you like to watch movies? Well, I like to play video games. It's the same thing. It's like, it's the same thing where I'm just interacting more, you know, like, and it just feels yeah. good. And I, I mean, I, I don't have to prove myself to anyone. I don't care, but it's just cool. I think 
in my opinion. Maybe. I mean, I'm of two minds about it because I think there's, I think it resonates with me this idea that like the more popular something gets, the worse it gets sometimes in terms of like, in terms of the community and just like, I don't know, the commercialization of it and all of the the like annoying conversation and all of that and then as well i think you know like it's kind of cool to like be like a niche niche thing in a way and then also i don't like that it's sort of like i get what you mean like in terms of adding legitimacy to the hobby you know that that's a a good thing but in terms of like it also gives legitimacy to the show itself and that's kind of less cool because it's like you know, I, d- I don't know if we need like another Oscars, right? Because it's like the Oscars are kind of a meme and everyone's like, you know, this is fucking stupid. So it's kind of, and everyone sort of feels the same about the game awards, right? Where it's like, this is, this is dumb. These awards are pointless. But then the, the other thing as well, I guess the only, sometimes the way they add legitimacy seems to be a bit annoying and almost like underconfident, you know, like with how, you know, like you get like a lot of like movie stars and like film directors and stuff presenting the awards. And that always seems weird to me because it's like, you don't get like, you know, again, like the Oscars, right? They don't get like video game developers and directors to, to do the, to, you know, announce the Academy Awards. Right. So it's weird to me that it's almost like, it's almost like there's some like insecurity that's like, we can't put, you know, the game makers front and center. So we'll put, you know, Keanu Reeves up there or like Vin Diesel or what, you know what I mean? Like, it feels a bit a bit weird that they're sort of leaning so heavily into that to get, you know, viewers up and to also give some like legitimacy. But, you know, I also understand that, you know, there's, you know, Vin Diesel is, you know, he's super into video games, you know, the Chronicles of Riddick games, you know, Wheelman, Ark 2, all that stuff. You know, there's a lot of celebrities that do really love and respect video games. So, you know, I don't think it's all purely cynical, but I am kind of like at the same time, it would be cool if they, instead of putting like Hollywood actors and film directors up there, it would be cool if they elevated some people working in games, either in like, you know, on the development side or in games media. I think that would be really a really good thing, you know, for Jeff to do and for the show to do, because as you say, they get so many viewers that, you know, why not like highlight these like indie devs or like people that, you know, work at, you know, wherever, you know, I mean, I mean, right. we, we know, you know, Sony Santa Monica, you know, Naughty Dog, you know, Neil, Neil Druckmann, uh, Corey, you know, all, all, all those guys, right. Tim Schafer, Double right. Fine. You know, and, and it's it's great to get more and more of those come out. And I think that that, that would be a better focus than sort of the, I don't know, ho- Hollywoodification of it all, I guess. Well, I think that that's happening specifically to draw an audience, which, you know, I got to give Jeff credit because Jeff, you know, built this. And I, I think that, that that's what makes it so awesome. It's like, I think once Jeff hands this off it'll go into the toilet like the the awards will tank and some other thing will pick it up if not dice will just be the game awards from then on because like i think that jeff just brings so much like passion and care into what he has built that it makes it really awesome but you bring in the hollywood to bring in the viewers and he's a salesman trying to be like hey this is a legitimate thing but what i want to see is the page turn and then you start to see the video game industry start to go over to to present oscars because like how awesome would it be if Kojima finally got to do that? You know, that'd be fucking awesome because yeah, it's like, hey, that's a video game director. It, like, it, It's never going to happen, though. The, this is what I mean is the problem is that, like, the film industry doesn't have any insecurity about itself as an art form and itself to sort of self-perpetuate in terms of awards and stuff. Like, they, they'd never do that because... They feel they like they have such like a broad range of talent and uh, people that you know viewers love to see that they do it and so so for me it's like I wish that the game awards would 
build out their own community in that sense. You know, stand on its own as like, you know, this is, you know, this is, this is us, right? We don't need like fucking Elon Musk or whatever. Like, yeah, it's cool that he's into games and all that, but you know, we, we don't really need him, need him there. You know, <laughs> it's yeah, so but- true. And like I was telling you, I was, I actually did a speech for school about the video game awards. And it's one of these things where it doubles the viewership of the Oscars. Like Oscars has 36 million and last year, for the game awards, it was 83 million. So, I mean, it literally doubles it. We do not need that. But I think that they just have so much fun being like, these are celebrities. Like, I think there's just something fun about celebrities. And you're right. I think it does show a little bit of insecurity on Jeff's part. That is like, we can't stand on our own. And that sucks, but it's it's just kind of fun. Like, there's, yeah. I'll never forget the E3 moment when, when Keanu Reeves came out, man. That shit was fucking hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for that, that you know, for E3, that's, you know, E3 definitely is a marketing show. Like, it's fully, like, literally, we're just going to show you a bunch of trailers, right? So, and it made sense in that context, because he's in Cyberpunk, right? And that was the announcement, and it was this really hype moment. I think that was that was awesome, and it makes sense. But I guess when you're like, again, like, if you want to be like a prestigious award show, you should probably keep it to video games, right? You know, there's, there's you know, like like when... The Game Awards, it was, I think, uh, the year before last, or maybe last year, it closed out as its big announcement, like, as the final thing. They got, like, Vin Diesel and Michelle Rodriguez out to say, like, play Fast and Furious Crossroads, a game that turned out to be absolutely terrible. And they were like, you know, they were basically shilling the film. They were like, oh, you know, we got a new Fast and Furious coming out, you know, in Fast and Furious, it's really important, blah, 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 right? And then... Uh, and here's this video game. It's also Fast and Furious, and you should go. And that like closed out one of the years of the Game Awards. And it's like, why? Like, like what? Like, didn't you have? Didn't you have like the Xbox Series X reveal at this show? Like, like why are you? Why have you gone from that to to this? It doesn't make any sense. You know, it's like, it's just like bringing out like I don't know Grimes and being like, oh hey, she's got a new album out, and also you know there's a browser game to go with the with the album. Like, it just feels like it's so. I don't know. It feels so cynical and like, and just, ah, I don't know. I mean, to be fair to Jeff, though, what I was going to say is that, you know, he elevated like Joseph Farris, you know, he made like Joseph Farris a celebrity basically because, you know, I mean, it was also Joseph himself, but giving him the stage to sort of talk about his game, right. And do that amazing impassioned speech. But then, but then, yeah, exactly. I'm also like, but how many other people could we have got up there that, you know have been taken up by these like you know film stars and you know directors and stuff you know how many other opportunities would there have been to get more joseph farris's to sort of break through and sort of become a meme and you know get you know people excited for their games and stuff like it feels like a big missed opportunity and it feels a bit you know a bit forced and insecure because also you know like i appreciate what you say about the viewership and all that but they're doing amazing on viewership already you know about you know the oscars Uh, above the oscars but also from you know my perspective you know i'm not i'm not jeff and i'm not worried about the financials of of the game you know like i I don't care about the viewing figures in terms of you know the show could just be a personal show to me and you know that'd be fine i'm not you know i'm not and also i'm not too bothered if the show crashes and burns so you know for me like yeah i I get it but also i'm like you know if it brings in viewers like i get it but for me that doesn't make the show better it makes it worse so yeah but we've also had situations at the game awards oh actually it might have been e3 but we've had situations where there um have been directors who just fall off and that kind of sucks specifically what i'm thinking about is the woman who 
was the creative director for Ghostwire Tokyo. And she was like super captured by the audience. Like people loved her. Yeah, that was, was E3 on though. That was Bethesda's yeah. E3 conference. And it just seems like she became a meme and she could have been like one of these great directors, but she just kind of fell off. I don't know where things happened, but that's kind of, it kind of sucks that you're right. There should be definitely more representation of these awesome directors. Corey Barlog is another big one. Like he's kind of beloved in the video game industry and he should be propelled up there too. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's people that get invited and don't show up as well. And it's very difficult for Jeff to sort Uh, of put together a a list. Like you got to imagine that, you know, like, uh, you know, Gabe Newell is someone I think of, right? Because I know Jeff Keighley, he loves Valve. He, he, you know, did document Jeff Keighley did documentaries on the making of Half-Life Alex and other Half-Life games. And he spends a lot of time at Valve and, he sort of got in as a games journalist by writing about Valve. And so he loves that company, right? And he's close with that company. But you never see like Gabe Newell at the Game Awards. And so I have to assume that Jeff probably invites him. He probably invites him every year. And Gabe just says, you know, no. And then you've got to get someone else to fill that slot, right? So, you know, again, to be to be charitable and to be fair about it, like, like th- there's probably loads of people that he does invite and that they say like, nah, I don't want to, or I can't, I can't make it or I, I don't want to, or, you know, whatever. And so, you know, th- and some people are just more up, up for it. You know, Joseph Farris obviously loves it. You know, Reggie's always there as well. Right. Like there's, there's people who are just always there. I mean, it would be, you know, it would be ridiculous and, and scandalous. There's no evidence for it, but if, if like if someone like Todd Howard was like, "Hey Jeff, I really want to do an award or something," like I really want to present one, and Jeff's like, "No, like we're getting we're, we're getting you know Vin Diesel, we're getting Guillermo del Toro instead," like you know, screw you type thing. Like it, like it, if that happened, then that would be that would be pretty bad. But uh, but there's no reason to believe that's that's happening either. So you know it 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 you know they they do an okay job, I think overall. I do too. I do too. I love it. <laughs> I love it, even though it, it's very flawed. <laughs> But I'm going to focus this back down, even though I said that earlier, um, into what we're chasing. And I'm just going to kind of go over. I finished Reach. I finished Halo 4. And then I already talked about Guardians of the Galaxy. And then I just want to throw out my rankings just to piss people off. (laughs) So ODST was my number one. Two is two. And then Reach, three, four, and one. That was my ranking of the Halo games. And uh, they're going to probably stay that way. Dude, I almost thought about like throwing Reach down below three and then four above three where Reach was, but I didn't. <laughs> I like four. I think four, you know, I'm not going to argue with you about the, the rankings because we could right. do a whole show on that and, and it, we'd go around in circles, I think, as well. But in terms of, I think I would say that I think Halo 4, specifically its campaign, is probably the most underrated Halo game. Is probably yeah. my halo hot take because that game reviewed really well when it came out it has an 87 on metacritic and the main Very thing good. people loved about it was the campaign in terms of the the reviewers and then as the years have gone by they made mistakes in halo 5 with the prometheans and all that kind of stuff and so it kind of made halo 4 look worse and so now the consensus seems to be that like halo 4 really sucks but i quite enjoy that campaign i think that campaign's pretty good i don't think it's the best campaign i don't think it's brilliant or amazing but i think 343 you know it was their first game taking over the halo franchise you know they they you know the first game's kind of the hardest in that they had to completely like reset everything and start anew and that's that's a challenge and i think they did a a really good job with it i i felt you know it kind of 
you know, there's some there's some dumb moments. We won't go into spoilers. There's there's some dumb stuff. There's some cool stuff. But also, I felt that the story was a lot of the story was quite emotionally resonant in ways that Halo hadn't really been before. Halo has some like emotional moments before that. I think Halo Reach's story is, you know, it has, you know, a gut punch finale and um, Halo 3 with Sergeant Johnson and stuff like that. You know, those are emotional moments as well. But I think Halo 4 did a really good job. And the story between, you know, Master Chief and Cortana, it sort of fleshed out that relationship in a way that the franchise hadn't done before, uh, or at least not successfully. I mean, Halo 3, we've talked about the Cortana mission and how bad it is, right? Like that mission in Halo 3 sucks. So Halo... Yeah, Halo 4 is basically all about Master Chief and Cortana, and they did it better than Bungie did in their own mission. So that there's my Halo hot take. I think I think Halo 4 is maybe I, I still wouldn't put it at the top of my campaign rankings or close to it, but I think I think it gets a lot of shit, and I don't think it deserves all of that shit because I think as like a first effort, and I think as a as a campaign, I think it was pretty pretty good. And and I'm right there with you. I actually very much i enjoyed four so much dude like all the way until around the end parts where there was just so much there were so many enemies and the levels were going way too long for me and i was like i think it was just my mood and where i wanted to be i was like i just am tired of playing this i played it for a very long time and like what was going on with cortana was getting a little bit annoying to me and like everything was not good up until the very last like the cutscene and it was very good i got very emotional because i had been playing the games back to back to back and i was like i was like this is a very good cutscene i was like i felt like cortana was a little overacted at points and then that that cutscene like i was like fucking nailed it like they nailed this cutscene it's so good so good yeah it's a really emotional moment and halo hasn't done that in the past and so for 343 to be so like but like you know again you know they were trying to top halo 3 and they were trying to top bungie and then so then to be like we're gonna do this stuff with the cutscenes. i think i think it's great like i i I think they get a a really bad rap and they deserve it for some stuff but not not for that campaign i i I won't i I won't let it happen but in terms of um because i've seen people play halo 4 for the first time and pretty much everyone i see that plays it they say like they almost feel guilty they're like i actually quite like this so far is usually what i hear like i i quite like this this is pretty good like didn't people say this game's bad it seems like seems like everyone sort of heard somewhere that the game sucks and then they play it and they're like oh actually this is pretty good like sure maybe it's not the best but it's 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 a lot better than i think i think the like weird like internet like um like hive mind has sort of said the game sucks and then sort of everyone goes into it thinking it's going to suck and then I, I think i've seen it with like four separate people fairly recently where they play halo 4 for the first time and they're like is this bad because i'm actually quite liking it is is pretty much like the exact like take that i hear like every time so i think i think that game got a lot of undeserved shit to be honest because uh, i think it's aged pretty pretty well i think it looks looks great for a 360 game as well you know it's technically impressive some of the level design is pretty repetitive, but yeah, I, I think I think that game's that game's pretty good. So that's my Halo hot take to sort of maybe save you from your your uh, bad rankings. <laughs> well, I appreciate it because I really really did have fun playing Halo Four, and that was awesome. That was an awesome way for me to end it. And now I have to play Five, and it's going to be a Five is quite <laughs> short, which is good. I think it's only yeah. like four or five hours. So yeah, I might do that in one setting. Yeah, you also like don't to- play as Master Chief for most of it. Which is hilarious. Mm. It's very interesting. But it's, you didn't play for Master as Master Chief in ODST or Reach either. 
Yeah, but this is Halo 5, right? It's a direct oh, sequel to Halo that's 4. That's true. Oh yeah. man. Okay. Maybe and they did wanna... maybe they did a they did The Last of Us Part 2 before Naughty Dog did. When you when you think about it, right? Like, wow, what an incredible game. That's <laughs> that's bait. That's, you know. Right. It's very much bait. Um, and then it's last, bait I from wanna... both angles because <laughs> Halo Five sucks and everyone loves The Last of Us Part Two, but then a lot of people also think The Last of Us Part Two is terrible. So it's yeah. like a, it's like a double bait, really. It really doesn't make sense. Like I don't want to go into a big tangent about Last of Us Part Two. But it's okay not to like a story, but still understand that it's like a masterpiece. Like it's totally acceptable. But let's not go there. Let's not. Let's not, let's do, not it. do it. Let's not do it. Not today. Not do it. Um. <laughs> Not today. You're baiting me, though. Like, so what am I supposed to do? <laughs> okay. Um, Psychonauts 1. I just I just want to go back to this and talk about it because I just think this game is really cool. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know anything. And then that first cutscene where, like, you kind of learn what a Psychonaut is and, like, the camp setting and, like, their kids and you're they're going into each other's minds and then they're using these awesome terms, like, when you are losing health inside someone's psyche you're losing mental health and i'm like holy fuck like this is so weird and cool and like just the the terminology you're going around and there's collectibles and stuff and they're like figments like imagination and it's kind of like transparent and and like stickers and stuff and it looks really really cool and then there's also emotional baggage that you can unlock and find and stuff and i'm just like this is this is so funny how they're using these terms into a video game. And then I'm just like going through and each level I'm having a damn good time. I'm, you know, I, I'm genuinely surprised like just what it's been throwing at me each level. And I think I'm almost done. I've, I've been playing the game hundred percenting every level that I go to. I had to backtrack because I didn't have the, the items at that point, but I am very much trying to hundred, 100% this game. I love it so much. And nice. It's a little bit frustrating trying to find the figments because they're so transparent and they're hard to see and hard to find. But that's about my only complaint. And I think I'll be finishing it soon. So I'm really, really excited about that. But God damn, I love that game. I can't wait to play two. I'm really, really excited to play two. I don't know if I'll go right to two after I finish Psychonauts 1 though, because it's not on sale. I could go get it on Xbox, but I think that you can hear with my love of Psychonauts 1, I want to platinum Psychonauts 2, like specifically on PlayStation. Yeah. So I just want to wait for that sale and it's the holidays are coming up. So I'm sure it will, it will drop. To yeah. They'll do a big one something. somewhere. Yeah. It's a shame. It doesn't have physical copies as well. I feel like that'd be, that'd be a game to have a cool box of, you know, cause it's such like, such like an eye catching design in, in those games. Right. Like, yes, it's, it's so vibrant and you know, it looks sort of, it looks beautiful at times and then also sort of sickly and like muddled at times but i think it's intentional because it's meant to be like this like fuzzy like brainscape like you know almost like where dreams and nightmares collide and you know the psyche exit you know it's like oh it, it is such like a cool aesthetic in that in that sense and like it such really a cool is. like tone and setting for a game yeah i mean i need to play i never finished psychonauts one but yeah i started psychonauts two around when it came out and I, I never got around to finishing it i was really happy though because i've i saw that um when the game first came out there was some missable stuff in terms of achievements and trophies and apparently they've like done patches to like make that stuff easier in terms of like getting all the figments and um like not missing stuff which sounds awesome I didn't look into the patch because in the video where they announced the patch, something that Double Fine do that's really cool is they do like trailers that are almost like um, 
developer diaries that are quite that are quite nice, where it's just like a, someone just sort of talking to you about the game, which sort of makes it feel quite personal. And um, they said in the video for this like big update to not watch it because, but it's great for completionists, but to not watch it because of spoilers. So it's like post game stuff, but that just seems really cool. And I need to get back to those games definitely. But if you're enjoying Psychonauts One, I've heard nothing but great things about the sequel. Yeah, people have been setting me up saying, you know, you're gonna like two is leaps and bounds above this one, and I'm I just in my head I'm like I can't fathom that, <laughs> like I can't even understand what you're saying. So I'm gonna play it, and I can't wait to figure it out. But there's one mission in Psychonauts One where you're underwater. And there's a boss that's happening and the level is moving and it actually made me nauseous just because like how like you said, like how it looks, how it's moving. Like I had to like look away from the screen and I was like, oh, dude, it's like I'm playing VR for the first time. Like I'm getting nauseous. It was really interesting. I was like, I, I made it through, but I was like, if I have to do this again, like, oh, not good. But luckily there was like no collectibles during that part. So I just was enjoying it and well, semi enjoying it as I was nauseous. But it was a it's a really cool game. And. I can't wait to get further in. Yeah, that's it for me, dude. I, I talked about everything. Like I like I said, though, I do need to mention again, Guardians of the Galaxy is my runner-up for Game of the Year. That thing is it's my favorite game of this year. Absolutely fucking awesome. Fucking awesome. Yeah, I've got to play it. I bought a copy of it over uh, the Black Friday sales, along with play Immortals it. Phoenix Rising. And yeah, I've got Psychonauts 2 to play as well. Yeah, it's great. Um, and that, so I've been playing... I've only played three games uh, this past couple of weeks, but I've, I've played... Uh, a ton of two of them so i'll start with what i played most recently usually i go in the opposite order but this game i played it for only about 20 minutes uh it's a game called townscaper and you can get a thousand gamer score in that game in about 10 minutes and it's an indie game pass game so you don't have to pay for it as well which is quite cool and so although it's you know an easy completion you know and that that gives you sort of bad vibes immediately about the state of the game it's not the case uh, this time. That I think the game's quite cool, and it's not you know shovelware. It just has an easy list basically, where if you know what you're doing, you can just get stuff really fast. It's a very relaxing game. It's like you essentially are like a town builder, and it's like a two button game in that you sort of go over like like a grid of land, and then you can build buildings with like the right trigger and you can remove them with the left trigger. It's almost like a screenshot generating game in a way because you can. You can just build these like really picturesque, beautiful towns and then, you know, share it with everyone. And there's a lot of stuff where it's like if you make like an archway and then like or if you make like a like a like a three by three building and then you take out like the blocks in like the bottom middle, it'll like give you like a unique design where it's like it's like a there's like a fishing hook or something like off the bottom of the building or like if you if you uh mismatch different parts on top of each other it like automatically makes like a lighthouse and stuff like this so it's like all this design like if you completely wall off an area as well it turns it into a garden and you can like put like a sculpture in there and stuff like that so it's just this like really uh quite relaxing indie game where you just you just make a town basically and you can just make really nice villages and get every achievement in about 10 minutes shout out to uh Macca's guides he's got a guide on the game takes 10 minutes get all the achievements and i still recommend downloading it you know it's not it, it's not um you know there's no tech issues with the game you also won't really feel like dirty from playing it because it's genuinely a decent game it's niche in terms of like i spent about like 10 extra minutes with it than i needed to but 
it's not for me in terms of I quite liked City Skylines on PC. I played a bit of that, maybe about five or six hours. But this isn't as deep as that, and there's not really like a goal or like an objective to the game. And so I didn't find it that fun. But it reminds me of, you know, there's a big community of like Minecraft players that are just about building these really cool structures and stuff. So it's just one of those games, you know, you just build cool stuff and you can look at it and show people. And so if you're into that, it's absolutely worth a download. If you're into achievements, it's absolutely worth a download. But, you know, you're not going to get much more out of it than that. The next thing I've been playing is Halo Infinite. You know, big surprise. Played more multiplayer. I think I've played about uh, 40 hours, 50 hours, maybe. Um, So I've been playing it with the boys. You know, we talked about that last time. But I've also been playing it solo. uh, And I had a great time there as well, which is a really good sign. I think when a multiplayer game, when you can, you know, we've talked about it before, probably. But something I hate in some reviews for games is where they're like, yeah, this game has like all these problems. And they're like all game breaking problems. But they're like, but if you get a couple of friends and you play it, it's really fun. And it's like, well, anything's fun with friends, right? Like, like watching a terrible movie is fun with friends. You know, it's so, so I kind of hate that, like, oh, but it's okay if you play it with friends, right? So so I think a true test or one of the true tests of a game can sometimes be, can I play this game on my own and still have a really good time? And Halo Infinite Multiplayer passes that test uh, for me. So that's amazing because if it's brilliant with friends and if it's also brilliant without friends, then, you know, you've, you've got a, a great game fundamentally and you're not sort of being, I guess, biased by the fact that you know you love your friends and so because you're spending time with your friends you sort of love the game and the game kind of sucks but you know you you sort of just love the experience so the game's great solo as well and i've been playing solo because i like to play ranked solo first of all there's a solo queue for ranked which is quite nice because it means it guarantees you're not going to be put against a team that are all like communicating in discord and like you know oh he's he's going for the rocket launcher he's oh he's 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 gone up mid he's one shot he's one you know they're not sort of all coordinating and and just going to wreck you so that's so that's a a good thing that they've got those separate solo queues and uh sort of team-based queues and I love that you start in ranked with the battle rifle because the battle rifle is amazing in this game. You start in assault with assault rifles in all the other modes, which I think is good because the problem with ranked and the problem with battle rifle starts is that it's not a problem, but the battle rifle is so good that you're probably not going to swap it for anything else. Whereas with the assault rifle and the pistol, you're sort of always looking for other weapons. Um, I think the act man brought that up in his uh, analysis of the halo infinite multiplayer. And I definitely agree with that opinion. Um, so I like the BR for ranked because it just feels so skill-based and so satisfying and just so so great to use. And I did my 10 placement matches in ranked and I'm in diamond right now. So the way it works is it goes bronze, then silver, then gold, then platinum, then diamond, then onyx. So I'm one away from like the top skill group. I'm going to try and get to onyx, but I know it's going to be a huge grind and it's going to be really difficult, but I kind of want to do it when I get some time. Um, yeah, it's just such a fun game. It, you know, I know that you, uh, you sort of have a low opinion on some multiplayer games, especially in regards to how timeless they may or may not be. But I think, I think with this game, it's just, I don't know, it's just fundamentally so good and just so well designed and the weapons, the weapons have to be my favorite weapons, maybe in a game ever, but certainly in a Halo game ever. And I don't think 343 are getting credit with that right now. 
I hope that it translates over to the campaign because I'm excited for you to play it and to to see these new weapons, especially the brute weapons, like the the enemy like faction, the banished. Their weapons are amazing. They're so good. There's this there's this weapon called the Mangler that's like this just just great pistol and the the spiker and all, well, not the spiker the spiker is an old weapon from Halo Three but they did a better job than Bungie is basically the the thing and I think I talked about that last week but it's 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 still it's still just up there and I've been seeing so many more like tricks and people using the uh, the skewer across like these like grav lifts and to like knock over vehicles and oh man you can like catch fusion coils when they get thrown at you and there's just such there's such dynamism to the to the sandbox and to the weapon variety it's just constantly mind blowing and you just see more and more stuff being done with it i t- i'm actually really excited to try those weapons cuz I, I didn't know i don't know if i knew there was different weapons halo has maybe introduced one or two and I also didn't know there's a new faction. Is that right? Yeah, they're called the Banished, and they're essentially like a splinter group from the Covenant. They're in Halo Wars Two, is where oh, they're introduced, yeah. I think. And yeah, they. Uh, I think sort of the preamble to Halo Infinite is they sort of you know they've they've been fighting the UNSC, so they're sort of the main enemies on uh, Zeta Halo, and they have a bunch of weapons that they've sort of designed themselves, and they're really because they're they're brutes. They're really like you can really see that in the weapons they have. Like the skewer is literally just like a giant, like essentially like a giant metal javelin fired out of like a huge launcher. And oh. and and there's the there's this like revolver that's called the 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 mangler that essentially it's like got like huge like bullet drop, but it's just like really really punchy like bullets that are just like pure like steel rods essentially. And and it really helps like you know I've talked about before how much I love sort of telling a story through gameplay it, or like telling telling you something about like the characters or uh, the world through gameplay and and this is like another great example of that because it's like even from playing the multiplayer it's like the the way the humans design their weapons versus the way this faction designs theirs it's like it tells you about their personalities if that makes sense and that's just such like an awesome thing to do because it's like not only are the weapons functional and satisfying to use and amazing but they've gone that extra mile because they've also thought about like what would these guys use and what would these guys make as a weapon like if if they had like you know science and technology what would they like invest into what would they develop and it's like and and the fact that that all matches and the guns are really satisfying it's like they've just done an amazing amazing job with that in terms of i was going to say something else about well i was gonna say that you know whenever i used to play multiplayer and this is something that you mentioned and I wanted to speak on is that when you have a multiplayer game that is fun by yourself, that really is the mark of like a really good multiplayer game. And, and I can say that with uh, Rocket League. Rocket League is a really good one. I might hint at maybe it would be debatable, but Rainbow Six Siege is very fun and I played it by myself. And as long as like I found team members that I could communicate with online, it was very fun. It was very fun and people helped me. Like I tried to get the platinum in that game and a lot of people tried or like helped me out like the community was decent i don't know how it is anymore but at the time it was before the trophy patch i don't know if you ever heard about that but basically they patched out some or they they swapped yeah they did that with destiny 2 as well yeah they swapped some descriptions of the trophies or triggers for the trophies and and i'm glad that i did it my way first because i'd just rather had 
had done the co-op mode and instead of the multiplayer trophies, which they is what they did. They took out co-op and they just put in multiplayer trophies. Cause right. there's like a couple trophies left on siege that I don't have. Like I have to blow someone up through the wall with like a mine on the wall. And I just never, I get never gotten a lucky enough a situation to do that. So I just was like, well, fuck it. I'm not going to play 40 matches hoping I can get this one type of kill unless I could find somebody on the other team to literally talk to me through the wall. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I just don't know what to do. So I just kind of put that one down, gave up. Yeah, I got I got an achievement in Halo Infinite. I, I was going to mention in terms of the sandbox with the weapons, there's these new disruptor style weapons. One of them is called the disruptor, like literally, and it's like this shock pistol. And the other is a shock rifle, which kind of replaces the beam rifle in terms of it's like the it's like the alternate sniper rifle. And it's basically like electricity as like damage type instead of plasma and so what will happen is if you like shoot someone with the disruptor pistol a bunch of times if you like shoot them a bunch and then go away the electricity will like keep doing damage to them and can kill them over time or like the other use of it in terms of if if you don't kill them over time is because it keeps doing damage over time let's say like you get into a gunfight with someone and you disrupt them and the disruptor doesn't do much damage but then you like get away from them and you both back away your shields will recharge faster than theirs because they keep taking a bit more damage. Like they take a bit more damage for a few more seconds and to have your shields recharge in halo, you need to, you know, stop taking damage for the, for the timer to reset. So you can sort of like play quite like tricky with it, where you can sort of like shoot them a few times, go behind cover, have your shields recharge, but theirs won't have, and then finish them off. And that's a great weapon. And the shock rifle's great. And also with these electricity weapons, you can chain the electricity between enemies as well. So if there's enemies stood close to each other and you shoot one, it also hits the other one. And then it also applies to stuff on the ground. So I had a gunfight with a guy where I got him to no shields and he was stuck in this like hallway with this tiny bit of cover. And so he went behind cover to recharge his shields. And on the ground next to him was a grappling hook. And so I took my shock rifle out and I couldn't see him at all. But I shot the grappling hook on the floor that was next to him. And because, you know, the grappling hook's metal, it conducts the electricity from the weapon. And it chained from the grappling hook to the enemy, killed the enemy. And then I got an achievement for it. And I was like, this is is so good. Like what they've done here is just incredible. It's amazing what they've done with the weapons. So it's a it's a Breath of the Wild killer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, people I've seen a clip online of the campaign where people have like fucked around with like getting outside of because there's these like open hubs in terms of the campaign structure as 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 you know and um someone's like they put like a drop shield on top of a warthog and then got off the warthog and hit it from behind with a gravity hammer or uh, shot it with a rocket launcher i don't remember which but basically sent the warthog flying and then as the warthog's flying through the air they grapple hooked onto the warthog and then let go at the peak of the like arc of the grapple and it sent them all the way across this like massive open map like sent them like two kilometers across the map and they like landed on top of this like big like forerunner structure and they just gone from like one side of the map to the other so it's like yeah that stuff like that has me really really hyped up and i'm like i'm smiling while i'm saying it because it's just it's just so cool like the you know the open world stuff, I'm I'm interested to see how it turns out, or the more open level structure of it turns out, but I can definitely see the potential in it, because 
Halo has always been about like the sandbox and about the equipment and the vehicles and the you know the variety of weapons and locations and it has had these big open levels as well. So I could see how it how it could you know work really well and have some like super cool stuff going on. Yeah, I saw that video too, and it was just like one of those things where I'm like, oh, that is fucking Halo, dude. That's fucking Halo, specifically Halo Three. Like people used to do that shit all the time, but that is it was really funny to watch and really cool too like like you said it was like two to three kilometers it was crazy it yeah was really far yeah i i mean this game there's there's problems with it we talked about the cosmetics before and the customization and, and you know how that's a big problem and it is it's still a big problem and the lack of playlists in multiplayer is really annoying as well but i think that i don't know i don't know if i even mean this but it's almost like you said like breath of the wild and Halo Infinite, it's it's very weird, but it kind of reminds me of a Nintendo game in a sense because it's like the 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 mechanics and the movement and the pure gameplay is like so fun and so refined that it's like a lot of the other stuff, you know, that that like could be a big problem, it kind of falls away a bit because you're just like I have this like just this such like such a a great like balanced fun environment to play in that's like endlessly replayable that nothing else feels like it matters as much because you're just sort of like you're just going to keep coming back for more anyway and it's like they and, and that feels very nintendo like to me because it's like it, it's just um you know it feels like a mario game or something where you're, you're just or, or yeah like a like a breath of the wild or something where you're just coming back for that pure gameplay essentially um, although, you know, I've heard different things about the story. I've heard some people don't like it. Some people do like it. So that'll be exciting as well. But then, yeah, so there's like, there's problems with the customization. There's problems with the playlists, but the core is so good. And it's like, I have faith that they can fix those issues that, you know, as long as your core game is really, really strong, that's the most important thing. And it's a shame and it, it sucks. It really does. The co-op campaign isn't there at launch and forge mode isn't there at launch because it feels like sort of fundamental features are coming later. I think that they made the right move of releasing it now though. I, I would say that. I think like I think they've got enough in the game where it's like it's not a huge disappointment or broken. Where it's like the campaign seems polished from the reviews, the multiplayer is really polished, and everything there is such like a good foundation and such a good core that you kind of don't need to overwhelm people with lots of different like tons and tons of different stuff at once at the same time you know halo's microsoft's flagship game so you kind of do expect it to have all the bells and whistles and everything you'd want so it sucks but it's also like i wouldn't have i feel like i wouldn't have delayed the game like another year because what's there is clearly really great and you want to get it into people's hands right like like the campaign's good apparently the multiplayer is amazing so i feel like if you were going to delay it and you had to delay it like eight months just for forge it's kind of like yeah i can get why they released it now like it may it seems like it's pretty much ready despite that and it, it's it's a sign of poor management that they couldn't get everything to come together at the same time you know that's obviously a very important aspect of managing the the, the project and managing the game you know they shouldn't really have like oh the multiplayer is all great and the campaign's all great but the forge mode isn't done like you should have you should have people on that but in terms of how I feel, I feel the game's fantastic in terms of the multiplayer, and I'm I'm very excited for the campaign. And I think it was, um, I think Mr. Matty Plays talked about how, you know, and Chris Raygun, where it's like, the problems that this game has 
aside from like the customization and monitor, although even with the customization, actually, it's the same problem where people are like, this game's amazing. Just give us more. Like the main crit- criticisms apart from the monetization is like, we love everything that's here. So just give us like more of it. Like give us, give us more maps, give us more playlists, give us more customization options, give us more like, and that's, that's where you want to leave your audience ultimately. Like you don't, you don't really want them to be either disinterested or sort of like, Hey, all this shit is like super broken. You need to fix it. So it's, um, it's, it's an exciting time in terms of, uh, Halo and just, uh, the multiplayer experience, but I'm, I'm really hoping the campaign uh, delivers. My third game that I've been playing a ton of is Dicey Dungeons. I've played around 50 hours of this game, and it's a roguelike indie game. It came to Game Pass. Uh, You know I love my roguelikes, and it was originally on Steam around, I think, 2019. I don't think it's on PlayStation. I think it's on Switch, and I'd seen some streamers play it years ago, and it seemed cool, so when I saw it was coming to Xbox and coming to Game Pass, I was like, I've got to go perfect it. I think it's a good game, but not an amazing game. Some of the characters are really great to play as. Like, each character has a different gimmick, a different special ability, a different set of cards and stuff like that. But essentially, you get you get cards that are basically, like, attacks or spells or whatever. And then you get dice every turn. And then those dice rolls you put into the cards. And then those do the attacks or do the functions of the cards. So... And you get more dice as you get like further through the dungeon. And so some of it's based on like RNG. There's some like there's some abilities you can get that let you like re-roll your dice or fix your dice and that sort of thing. So it's a lot of like number crunching and some RNG and sort of being strategic and tactical and there's these upgrade points and these shops where you can sort of change up your abilities and stuff like that. And yeah, it's a combat focused roguelike but it's not you know it's sort of more like slay the spire or ftl than you know something like dead cells or hades or returnal because it's all you know turn-based stuff uh in terms of how it works i think that i don't know i mean it's a very solid game i don't regret my time playing it i kind of wish the completion was a bit quicker and i think i'd recommend it but sort of tentatively because i feel like my recommendation is functionally not a recommendation because I'd recommend stuff like FTL, Spelunky, or The Binding of Isaac. I'd recommend those games over this game. And then if you have Game Pass as well, you might think, oh, well, if you have Game Pass, at least, you know, you could try it. And uh, and I agree. But then on Game Pass, I'd recommend Enter the Gungeon, because that's my favorite roguelike of all time. And then I'd also recommend Hades, which is also on Game Pass. Slay the Spire and Monster Train are on Game Pass as well. And they're both better than this game. And they're sort of card-based and turn-based. So I recommend it, but it's kind of like a 6 out of 10. So it's like, it's like, yeah, it's a good game. It's a good time. I think you'll enjoy your time with it. But you sort of should only play it, really, if you've already played and, you know, completed all these other amazing roguelikes. So, yeah, I had a good time with it. Some of the characters... I think you'd enjoy it more if you weren't going for all the achievements as well. Because there's a couple of the characters that are really, really annoying. Some of the characters are amazing, but there's this character called the Witch and uh, the Inventor that aren't great. They, um, the Inventor, you have to get rid of some of your uh, items, some of your abilities or cards or whatever they call them. You have to get rid of one of them after each battle, so you never really feel settled. And you can be the victim of RNG because if you have like five items, you only have a choice from three uh, which one you can get rid of. So you might have, let's say, you have five items and. Three of them might be incredible and two of them might suck, but then the RNG 
might say, hey, you have to discard one of the items. And then the choice that you have might be between the three incredible items you have and you might be stuck with the two terrible ones and then your run's basically just over. So, like, that sucks. And then uh, the witch isn't very good either. She's, like, you have to, like, use, like, a spell book to, like, put stuff in place and you have to use dice to do that, but then you also have to use the dice to use the attacks and the abilities as well and it just gets really complicated and it's quite laborious. I think the problem is... Uh, it, it's more strategic but it's more slow paced and sort of laborious to just get through all of the fights so those characters kind of suck and there's four other characters that are all great uh and it's a shame because if if it was just the other characters it would be amazing but you have to play as each character you have to do each episode with every character there's 36 episodes so six per character and you also have to do the sixth one twice for every character because you have to do it on hard mode and then there's a final secret episode after that. And each run is about between 20 and like 40 minutes. So, you know, you've got like 42 times that and then one at the end. And that's if you win every run. So as you can see, you know, the hours tick up and you're going to be spending about 40 to 60 hours playing this game if you want to go for everything. So, you know, maybe 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 check it out if you're not that bothered about having a full completion and you just sort of want to play something casually. It's amazing as a podcast game as well. You can like listen to something or like watch something while you're playing because you know, it's turn-based and there's no, you know, you're not playing this game for the narrative. You're just sort of playing it for the, for the fun of it. So yeah, it's, it's good in that sense as well, but it's a shame that I didn't love it more because it's kind of the later characters you unlock are the bad ones as well. So you're kind of like already invested. You're like, hell yeah, this is sick. And then you unlock two of the characters and you're like these suck and then and so then you sort of already invested too deep but it's still good it's still good fun it's a uh, really solid i feel like i've been more negative than i should have been because it is it is a good game and i did enjoy my time with it and i did sort of get addicted to it as well like any good roguelike so yeah well, good game. dude the way that you kind of ended that was a perfect segue to kind of the topic on the table which is the approach of hunting and where when did you decide maybe you're not going to hunt this game so i got all the achievements for dicey dungeons i just sort of went oh, through it yeah but what okay. i mean is that's why my rating is what it is like if i think if i hadn't have hunted it i'd have probably enjoyed my time with it more like if i was someone who can just play the game and not care about any achievements i think i'd have a better time probably give it a seven at that point but right yeah i mean my attitude towards hunting is like what i like to do is when a game comes out i like to read the achievement list it's always a bit of a uh i'm sure you understand this as well as the audience but there's a bit of like nervousness because you get like secret achievements and you're like do i have a look at what these are or not because some of them can be you know story spoilers right like if the if the achievement's pretty badly worded it might literally be like you know kill your father at the end of the game in a big surprise plot twist 100 gamer score or something and then you're like ah oh, fuck like have you i've just ruined the whole game for me but then sometimes the secret achievements are like you know kill 20 enemies with this knife that you have to pick up at the start of the game and you can you know like, like you can only use it sort of eight hours in so it's like but if you miss picking it up at the start you're fucked like some of the achievements are some secret achievements are like that and then some are story spoilers so you're like you know you sort of have to decide like are you gonna risk seeing the spoilers for the secret achievements so that's that's something i'll often do i'll read all the achievements including the secret ones a lot of the time and sort of hope that i don't get the game ruined for me which usually doesn't nine times out of ten that won't happen but because even the story achievements are usually pretty vaguely worded where you can't 
you can't like interpret what's happening in that part of the game before you've played it like like it won't make sense to you and you can sort of forget about it as well so i'll do that and then when i read the achievement list i'll decide if i want to play it or not usually unless i already want to play it 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 can get complicated because you sort of read the achievement list and then it sort of falls into two categories i guess one is that in terms of if the achievement list sucks i guess if the achievement list sucks and you're like you were interested in the game, you either sort of go, yeah, I was interested in this, but I wasn't super interested, so I'll probably play something else instead. And then the other category is I'm extremely interested in this game. The achievement list sucks, so I'm just going to play it and, you know, fuck my completion percentage. I'm just going to have a good time with it and it's a game that I have to play. So, you know, a lot of games have fallen into that category for me and some of some games have fallen into the other one as well. I'm I'm with you and recently I I was I was I think proclaiming that I want to play the Yakuza series in 2022 but I will not platinum all of those games. I looked ahead and I was like, yeah, something that takes me over 100 hours, I just can't do anymore. I just I'm too tired. <laughs> I'm like if it was my job I could. I would. I absolutely would. I don't care. I'll grind all day. I'll listen to podcasts, listen to music, I don't care. I'll do it. But with my limited time and the way that I played games this year, which I played games and then whenever I would like roll credits, I would write it down as a completed game that year and I'd be like excited to get to the next one. And I'm not saying that like I play games just to get to the credits. I play games because I love games. But this is like a cool like checklist way to keep track of the games that I played. And I write down like the date that I roll credits and like I just have this feeling of them. And then if I platinum them, I put a little circle next to it so I can count and then I'll put like the number of platinum that it was. And so it keeps track. But my whole point is like, I'll look at this. I'll look at the lists. Actually, actually, I don't look at the list. I'm not like you. I am so spoiler sensitive that even sometimes descriptions of non-hidden trophies, I'm like, oh, I wish I didn't know that was there. Or I didn't. I wish that I didn't know that that collectible existed or something like super dumb. But it just gets to me for some reason. It's like I would have been so much more surprised if I knew that. I'm like, oh, that's cool now that I know. But it's like, uh, it could have been a totally cool moment. And that's why, like, I didn't know. Ooh, I can't say that. There's spoilers in the Life is Strange trailers, and I didn't know them. And we talked about that during the spoiler discussion. So I'm very, very spoiler sensitive. And I, I if I know I'm going to play a game, I'm not going not gonna to read the list. But I will go to guides and look to see if there's missable stuff. And that sometimes does spoil things. And I do not, like, on my first playthrough... I never use a guide, almost, almost never, because even whenever I'm looking for collectibles, just locations are spoilers to me. So I'm like, damn, now I know I'm going to be going there. And like, I know what's going to be coming next. I don't want to know what's coming next. I want it all to be inhaled or, or absorbed at that time. And so I'll usually do like a blind playthrough as I read through, or I'll read a guide. And if there's missable, then I'll pay attention. If there's not, then I just blindly play and then I'll do a cleanup or an extra playthrough or whatever. And then more and more lately, I'm starting to leave lists behind. Like, I don't know if I will go back to House of Ashes. I just have to do like at least two more playthroughs and that's 12 hours. And I just I just don't know if I can. <laughs> like, it's so much. And so I, I don't do that. But, you know, if I'm remote playing and I'm somewhere else, different state or something, maybe I will. Maybe I will, you know try to get the platinum in in house of ashes or something but my approach is generally to look at something or look at the the look at a guide and i'm expanding my my horizon of guides because i'm playing more niche or niche games and like i know 
there's a guy who listens to our show, uh, Dangles, and he writes guides. And I'm going to use one of his guides probably for Psychonauts too, to be honest. Like, nice. It's That's just awesome. It's really, really cool. So yeah, the um, yeah, I'm with you on like the long games thing. There's yeah, the Yakuza games. I mean, it's like I, I feel like it's depressing when because I, I, you know, it took me months to get every achievement in Yakuza Zero. No, it took it took me about one month exactly, I think, and it was it was basically a month of like playing almost every day. And you look at that whole month and you're like, I played one game this month, and I played. A ton of, of like I spent a ton of time gaming and I, I only only played one game and you, it's kind of depressing in a way like you're like you're like I could have I could have played so many games you know in 120 hours I could have played so many games in that time and I played one game and yeah it's a great game but it's like I don't know I could never do I don't think I could ever do like a 500 hour game I, I don't think I could do it I know they're very 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 rare but yeah, for me, like the time thing is way worse than the difficulty thing. Like a lot of the time I'm attracted to games with really difficult achievements. I'm excited to get to Hollow Knight because I've heard that game has, you know, like a really infamous end game achievement. So I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of energized and excited about it. Like the, the hard achievement thing is usually okay for me. It's just the like the achievements that are hundreds of hours. That's like nope. Like I'm I'm way less likely to play the game now. Dude, I have not played Hollow Knight, and I want to. It's something that is on my list because everyone says it's so incredibly great. So that's another that, Shovel Knight also. But yeah, no, I, I'm I'm with you. And like, I, as soon as you said 500 hours, I was like flashback, flashback. I was like, oh no, because Final Fantasy 14 is 500 hours, and. Like my friends have been asking me to play it and I'm like, I just really, I have no interest to play the game in the first place because I don't really care about MMOs. Uh, When Destiny started, I was just like, how? I was like, I don't want to play a console MMO. Like that's just not what I want to do. And so there's something psychologically uh, ruinous about like, we've talked about Ubisoft games before. And I think like the, there's like a perfect length to that type of like open world or like progression based game where it's like you kind of want it to be like 20 to 40 hours in my opinion and it's because when you have a game that's that long like we i talked about how i love far cry 3 because it's like such a good sized game from them where it's like everything you do feels important and feels significant and it feels like you're taking over like a chunk of the map and you're like making it your own and it's like it's a noticeable chunk and I think there's something like really demoralizing about these like 80 hour Ubisoft games or like a hundred hour games or whatever, where it's like you're doing stuff and you're playing for like a whole session and you feel like you've barely moved, like you've barely done anything. You've like, you know, and it can even be depressing where it's like you spend all day doing like side quests and you just never do like a single main story thing or whatever. Like, I think there is like a, a balance to be struck and it does really annoy me when it's like, oh, I just spent all day doing this and it's like, and I've done one percent of of the like that's 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 one percent. Just got to do that same thing a hundred more times, and then I'll have it. And it's like that that sucks. It I I can't deal with it. And I get that you know for some people it's great because they only play like two games a year and they're really happy with that. And that you know they're not super hardcore into games or they just like playing the same thing over and over you know and that that's fine but it's not it's not for me yeah and i'm with you there and you know a lot of our audience or people who would even casually hunt would say like their approach is completely different than ours you know they will 
play a game and if they like it enough, they'll look at the list and then try to chase it from that point. But I think as games get better and better about missables, missable trophies, then people will chase more often because they'll be like, oh, I like this game. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll finish the list because I like it so much. And that is totally an acceptable approach. I think that's kind of how I started to get back into trophies. And then I just started to go hard on like everything. And there was a while there where I went backwards. Like I started to look at my completion percentage and then I would go back to games that I had played and not platinumed and just play it to get the platinum and then run to the next list on my backlog that was already played and then just run through and be like, I could get the platinum here in like 15 hours because I've already put in 30, you know, like I, I have done that before and I, it's something that I still wanted to do. I want to do it with dead nation. I'm, I think an earlier episode, I said I was going to play dead nation, but I couldn't get my PS three to work because it has like double authentic authentication. And I was like, really confused couldn't figure out what was going on and then i just was like i give up i'm gonna play another game and so i gotta get that situated on ps3 so that i can play detonation because that's a game that has like maybe 15 percent. and i looked at the trophy guide and dude it's not hard it's very short it's it's like i have to play it on the hardest difficulty and get all the collectibles that's it <laughs> that's like all i have to do i already beat the game so yeah it's the, just like one of those you've things. reminded me of the other problem and it is it is a me problem but the other thing that keeps me away from those super long completions is that I like to play one or two games at a time, and I like to get really invested in the game if I can, and become like you know like a like an expert in that game essentially. Like I like to understand it like top to bottom, like everything all at once. Like I'm gonna you know I'm gonna do everything in this game, and I'm gonna learn everything in this game, and I'm gonna you know. I'm going to experience the good, I'm going to experience the bad, and I'm going to then feel like after I've completed that game, I'm going to feel like, you know, my opinion has weight on the game, that I feel confident in my own, you know, opinions on it, that I'm like, you know, I can talk about this game in depth in terms of narrative, in terms of gameplay, in terms of mechanics, collectible, everything, you know, like I want to have that, you know, it sort of enriches me in terms of being able to I don't know, find some like peace of mind in that I, you know, I, I've experienced everything a game has to offer before having like a final opinion on it. And that, that's how I was too. I actually, whenever I started hunting um, Uncharted, which is one of the first Platinums I got, I started to realize like after I had gotten the Platinum, I was like, I got to see things in this game. I know people, other other people have not. Like I know for a fact that I have seen things in this game that other people have not. And that was like a huge draw for me. I'm like, this is really cool that I know this game inside and out. I know where every collectible is. I know, I know like secrets about different things. And I just, I loved that. I love like knowing a game inside and out, just like you said. And it's a huge draw for getting platinums is just straight up yeah, getting ex- more time with that game. And Exactly. Knowing- so on that note, it kind of makes it harder for me to commit to a super long game because I know then it's like, this is going to be your life for the next month or two months. And that's, that's it. You know, in terms of your gaming life, it's just going to be playing that one game. And so I think that makes it a bit harder to swallow as well. But yeah, I mean, it happened with, I played the Mad Max game. I like the Mad Max game. It's a good game. Uh, the vehicle combat is satisfying. The sort of Arkham style melee combat is pretty good as well. Uh, but it's too long. I'm like, I can't be bothered with every collectible and I'm done. I did all the stuff that was needed before like the servers went offline last year. And I'm just like, I can't do it right now. And I probably won't go back, but maybe I will. But again, it's like, 
it's like once I've once I've left the game and I've played a bunch of other stuff and it's months later, if I go back I'll have no idea what's going on and I've sort of lost some of the some of the knowledge and I never you know, I had an incomplete picture of the game and so it's hard to go back to it. But yeah, that's definitely a factor for me because I like to sort of get like almost like, you know, hyper obsessed with one game and just like play play the absolute shit out of that game. And then yeah, and then when I think about the game and talk about the game and and read about the game, I'm like, I understand this game. And yeah, I mean, it's been great with uh, with the old Halo games when I went back to play them on like Lasso and on Legendary to speeder on them because it's like it, it taught me stuff about the design of those games that most people won't know know about, like like all like the secrets and the Easter eggs and sort of the way like the enemy spawns work and all that stuff. And it's like no one's gonna no, barely anyone knows this stuff and it's such a cool thing about like achievements and trophies that that can bring to you yeah dude and you know speaking on that that is exactly how this topic came up actually because this is the very first time i've ever approached trophy hunting from this weird perspective of rushing i'm just trying to get to credits right now to roll on these games before the game awards okay does that mean that i'm absolutely like rushing no i told you i played guardians of the galaxy and i have three trophies left because i love the game so much but I'm not going to clean those trophies up right now. I moved on to Psychonauts. If I don't, if I roll credits on Psychonauts and I don't have all the collectibles, I will move on to probably Deathloop so that I can have that under my belt before this Game Awards happens. Because I just, I just want to know kind of what people are voting for and like the feel. It's for me, but I'm going to go back and clean it up probably in the weeks after after the game awards and i'm not saying like everyone has to do this or this is like this is something that i'm just doing just to do it it's like i'm doing it because i i love games and i just want to see these but i actually am in such like a a place right now with psychonauts one where i think i'm gonna platinum it before or like i'll be whenever i roll credits it will be the platinum i will have one i will get my rank 101 and you know because i talked about that last week um there's a trophy called Math is hard and get I'll, I'll get rank 101 and I'll freaking pop the platinum and I'll move on because I think that this game is one of those games where if you collect everything, you get an extra cutscene, which I again, like I said, this is like that that is something that people won't see if they don't do it. So it's so cool that you can do that with trophies and achievements, but I'll go back to Guardians of the Galaxy way later. Like I have to do another playthrough, I think, because or at least, yeah. I actually, I absolutely do have to do another playthrough because there's a trophy for getting a 65% in a compendium or something like these artifacts. And if you chapter select, it erases that. So I'm definitely not going to chapter select, but I'll like follow a guide to get all the collectibles until I get 65%. And then maybe I can chapter select after that or like load a save after that and then just pick up the remaining collectibles because I need like all the outfits and that's really it. There's like, like I said, there's three trophies, so it's pretty much just collectibles and that's it. And I'll do that on Deathloop too. I'll probably roll credits on Deathloop and then go back to Guardians because, or actually here's what I'll do. I'll roll credits on Deathloop and then I'm going to put PlayStation down, play Halo Infinite, probably do a boy's night, which by the way, I wanted to mention this earlier, but I kind of have like a dream where I just come into boy's night and I don't play multiplayer and I always like shit talk multiplayer, but (laughs) I just want to go in there and just like, impress everyone be top leaderboard and then be like fuck this game because <laughs> like it a lot of people always dog on me they're like you don't like multiplayer because you're not good and it's like just wait just wait <laughs> like wait but obviously i don't know if that's true or not i don't know if i'm good or not i haven't played multiplayer in quite a long time but 
back to what I was saying is just, I'll just clean these games up after the fact. And I've never done that before. I never played like a chunk of games and then gone back and like systematically knocked them out. Have you ever done that? I did it with, there were some 360 games, I think, uh, that I did it with, like, where I'd, like, go, I think it was, like, around the start of the Xbox One gen, although it's funny because it doesn't work, because I had, like, a bunch of leftover 360 games around the start of the Xbox One gen. You know, the Xbox One gen was terrible for, you know, Xbox players, of course, so, you know, a lot of it, you know, reminiscent about the golden days, right? So it was, like, go going back to, like, finish up those games, but then... The reason I say it didn't work is because I got an Xbox One at launch and I got, you know, Dead Rising 3 and Forza Motorsport and uh, Rise Son of Rome. And I haven't completed any of those games. So I played those games and I was like, yeah, these are pretty cool. And then I'm, but I really want to get, you know, a bunch of 360 games done because I was still playing them. And then I like go back and do some of those. And then it's like, oh yeah, but now I haven't done. I didn't finish the Xbox One games that I started, and then you just get behind somewhere else anyway. So it's like, there's too many games, right? Like, you're never going to be able to, you know, it's like, um, you know, it's like a sinking ship or whatever. Like, you're never going to be able to, like, plug all the holes. You know, there's just, like, millions of them. That It's just, you're going to take on water, and it's it's going to sink eventually. Like, it's, and, you, and you're going to be even further behind than you were before, a lot of the time. I kind of love that, though. It's something where I want, I'd want my completion percentage to be higher, definitely, but yeah, in terms of hunting for stuff, I just try to be better on like the new stuff that I play. So then it's like I've got less that I need to go back to, and then I've got like less uh, regrets in that sense, if uh, if that makes sense. And I'll I'll make myself. I like what you're doing with Halo, where you like go back and play them all. I did that with Gears of War, where I like went back and, and played all of them again, and sort of got a bunch more achievements back to back before playing the newest one. So I like that as a structure as well. It feels satisfying. It feels good going from game to game in one series as well. That's a really good feeling. So I should do that with, you know, Condemned as well. Condemned and Condemned 2. I'm just looking at my I, shelf of games. Of like the I old wanted games to do that, that with Yakuza, finished. but I've been told not to. <laughs> well, yeah, they're just so... There's so many of them long. and they're so long. Yeah. What yeah. sucks about Yakuza as well is that... Yakuza 0, which is the one you should play first. Maybe you should play Kiwami first, but either that or Kiwami, play those first. But the thing that sucks about that series is 0 is widely considered either the best or one of the best. And so what happens is you beat 0, and then Kiwami is worse than 0. And then Kiwami 2 is really good as well, I've heard from people. And then Yakuza 3 really sucks. And then 4 kind of sucks. And then five is a bit better, and then six is like pretty good, and then seven is amazing. So it's kind of like you start at like the high point, and then you have to go through like this huge valley of like worse games, and then you go back to a high point again. But it's kind of like, you know, I, I put like 120 hours into what's considered the best one, and it's kind of like part of me feels like I'm done. You know, I'm like, I've played it, it's a very awkward situation. You almost wish like the worst one was the first one, if that makes sense. Like, you play, like, and they get better each time. Because then you'd be, like, you'd be getting more and more, like, jazzed on the series, right? You'd be like, this is this is just getting better and better. This is awesome. I'm glad I went through that bullshit before because now I'm onto the bangers. But if you start at such a peak, you're like, everything... Like, there's going to be a stretch of, like, 400 hours where I'm like, this sucks. This is way worse than what I was doing before. So, yeah, that's a problem for that series. That's true and untrue. I've heard a lot of people say like there's no 
terrible Yakuza game. They're all very good. It's just like some are much weaker than the others. And yes, you're right. But whenever you have when you have that peak and then you come down from the peak. No, like, no, this it's, isn't as good. it's a double. It's like a double, uh, I guess, faceted problem because some of the games are worse, but then also some of the completions are worse. So it's like it's not just the game itself. Like a lot of people with Yakuza, like it, it's very important to specify completion and platinums because i know tons of people that love yakuza and they love all of them but they've not fully 100 percented all of them and right. if you say like if you ask them about 100 percenting them they'd say like i'd rather like claw my own eyeballs out than 100 percent them and so i think i think it might be yakuza 3 and yakuza 5 i think 3 is just like considered by a lot of people to be the worst game in the series and also it's really long so that's a problem and in terms of completion, it's really long. If you just go through the story, then it's probably fine. But if you go for the completion, you're going to be really annoyed. And then Yakuza 5, I think, is pretty good. But I think the completion is 200 hours, and the stuff in the completion really sucks. So, like, like the, the 40 hours of the game to, like, beat the main story or whatever is pretty good. But then you've got 160 hours of, like, pure garbage to get through or whatever. I think that's... That's the the problem. It's sort of like a, there's there's like two components to the problem that I didn't really uh, thoroughly describe. At least from from what I've heard is is that it's it's both the completion aspect and the overall game quality as well. It's like those two can have different weightings and can can interact. Yeah, I'm actually I don't know if I told you this, but I'm going to bounce back and forth. Like if it has like a seventy or eighty hour completion, I might try to platinum it on playstation try that's the big word so i'll play it there but if it's like bad or it has a bad complete like a bad list i will just play it on game pass because you know i just the thing that sucks is like i do care about my completion rate even on xbox and as as i play these games and i don't complete them i'm like oh i bet i bet my completion rate is so bad and like if one day they add like a master achievement Dude, I'm going to die because I'm going to have to go back and like platinum or master achieve all these games. You know what I mean? Like it's just something that I love to do and I would I would do it, but probably not for the Master Chief collection. I heard it's kind of miserable from you. Yeah, there's no way you if you uh, perfect the Master Chief collection, you're a bigger Halo fan than I am. And then almost anyone is. You have to be a masochist to like a really, a really big masochist to perfect that game. That game, if you perfect that game you would have to dedicate like a really substantial portion of your year to just playing Halo, like extremely substantial portion of, of your year. Yeah. I would do it if it was my job. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> like I would do it. I mean, yeah. If, but, if, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, if I was streaming it, then yeah. And yeah. people were watching, then I'd, I'd do it. Yeah. But absolutely. The, but, uh, uh, I think that can, does that conclude our, uh, our topic on the table yeah i think so i think we've covered everything nice um then that just kind of leads us into trophy achievement of the week trophy and achievement of the week and i'm just gonna go well actually i want to talk to you about this i might cut this section if not i'll just leave it in but do you think that defeating a boss from resident evil 8 like one of them is a spoiler uh no okay so then my trophy is that sucked and it's defeat lady dimitrescu and the reason that I chose this is because last night I was I was playing Psychonauts and my friend was playing Resident Evil 8 as a goatee contender and he beat he beat her and then he said, 
that sucked. And I, I was, I started to laugh. I was like, what did you not like? And he was like, oh no, it was a trophy. And like, I thought that was hilarious. I was like, oh my God. So the name of the trophy is that sucked. And it was for de- defeating Lady Dimitrescu. And I just was like, that is a that I'm using that in the podcast because that's a great moment. That's yeah. hilarious. For anyone who doesn't know, she's a vampire. That's where the, you know, the pun, the pun comes in. Ah, yeah, it's very good. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I know that you know, and that, but if if someone's never heard of Lady right. Dimitrescu, they might not they might not get it, you know. But um, yeah, that's a that's a great one. My achievement of the week is in Halo Infinite. It's called Pika's Disadvantage. It's to backsmack an enemy who is zoomed in with a scoped weapon in a match-made game. So this happens fairly commonly. It counts the battle rifle as well, so it's kind of easy to do it in ranked. But it's quite cool because you're sort of like, you basically like sneak up. If someone's scoped in on a weapon, they don't, they can't see their radar. So if you sort of get behind them, you can just walk up behind them and smack them in the back and instantly kill them and then take their scoped weapon as well which if it's a sniper is awesome uh but the reason i chose it more than that is because the name is a play on words or a reference or a pun or whatever you want to categorize it as based on the concept of pika's advantage and pika's advantage is in games like counter-strike in rainbow six siege destiny etc when you peak an angle i'll talk about it from a counter-strike perspective but basically if someone is if someone has like a sniper or an assault rifle or whatever if they're like aiming it at a doorway and you peek into the doorway so you like move into their line of sight so you can see them and they can see you you have something called peaker's advantage which is basically it's it's complicated why it happens and some people disagree on on why it happens but based on like the ping of the game and the way the game refreshes when you peek out into someone you see them before they see you and so you have a few extra milliseconds to react and shoot them than they will you so sometimes you'll see it in counter-strike where someone basically pre-fires an angle so they they walk out and they don't even let themselves react. So so a pre-fire is when you look out into an angle and you already know before you're looking out into the angle, I'm going to shoot this spot. And so you go out and you already have your crosshair trained on it before you've even peeked out and you go, you step out and you shoot immediately and you don't even let your sort of eyes register if there's a person there or not, you just do it. And if you do that in games like counter-strike and there is someone there you will kill them basically 10 times out of 10 if your if your aim is accurate because they won't be able to react to you in time and that's because on, on their screen they might not even see you like it's that fast that you can just do it and you can shoot them and they won't even see you if they're even if they're scoped in they're zoomed in because on their screen you haven't even shown up yet but in terms of the server, you have peeked out and you've shot them and you've killed them. And so that's this idea of Pika's advantage. It's in a lot of multiplayer FPS games. And so I thought it was pretty cool that this achievement, clearly clearly, it's written by someone who understands competitive multiplayer shooters because Pika's advantage is kind of a pretty niche thing. It's not, you know, it's, it's not that commonly talked about. It's a, it's a really cool game mechanic, I think. It works really well in Counter-Strike because... In Counter-Strike, you have you have one side that are the terrorists and one side that are the counter-terrorists. And the counter-terrorists want to protect the bomb sites and the terrorists want to get onto the bomb sites, plant the bomb and win the round. And in that game, the counter-terrorists have an advantage 
they tend to win more often than not. They have like a, an innate advantage in the game. And the way the game is balanced is the fact that you have two halves and on one half you're playing as the counter-terrorist and on the other half you play as the terrorists. So the game is sort of innately unbalanced in that it favours the counter-terrorists, but you each get a half with each side. So it's, it's fair. And to counter this in CSGO, the terrorists get a better assault rifle that kills in one headshot, whereas the counter-terrorist assault rifle kills in two headshots. So the terrorist AK is better than the counter-terrorist M4. And then the other counter to this is this idea of Pika's advantage, because if you're the terrorist, you're on the attacking side. And so if you have a few milliseconds of advantage peeking into angles, that really helps you. Whereas if you didn't have an advantage at all, you would probably die much, much more often. So it's kind of got an unintended consequence of making some games more fun and better and better balanced. And the reason counter-terrorists in that game tend to win more than terrorists is because if you're trying to defend a bombsite and you're a counter-terrorist, you can hide or you can sit in tons of different locations, whereas you know where the terrorists are coming from. You know, like, you know, they have to go through, like, there's like a few choke points that are their options, but they have to come through them. And so as a terrorist, you have to like check everything. You're like, is there a guy there? 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 Whereas as a counter terrorist, you know where they're coming from and they're walking to you. So you sort of have an advantage in that sense. So it's interesting how those two mechanics sort of play over each other in that you sort of get this innate advantage of a of being the person peeking into an angle, but also you have a defensive advantage on the other side where you can be sort of at a different elevation or you can be somewhere people don't expect, or you can be playing an off angle or a wide angle and you can catch people off guard and kill them that way. So it's kind of this interplay between the two that makes that game so interesting. And I thought it was really cool to give me an excuse to talk about it. And it's also something that will occur in Halo Infinite as well. And they've also sort of thought about it in that you don't have a radar when you're scoped in on your weapon. So you've got a disadvantage that way, but an advantage in that you're ready to fire. So to play on words like that and to say that there's a Pika's disadvantage is is a really good name for that achievement. That is really cool. That is really cool. That that I specifically like it so much because it, you know, like you said, it gave you a reason to talk about that and it's more niche and it's like the person who wrote that is really into it and that's that's really cool yeah they yeah they clearly understand like they've clearly got like a multiplayer designer or someone really into these other multiplayer shooters or like halo and they know how all the sort of hidden mechanics work and yeah that's just a essentially it's just a consequence of sort of the connection with the server and yeah some people blame like ping as well like in terms of like if you're lagging but i think it's more just being connected to a server because even when you play even when you play on lan i think it can still happen because like obviously what happens in a game like when you play a game online or when you play a game with multiple people on different machines like you know the the way it works is what happen you know you see on your screen what's happening on like your machine and then you know, like your inputs happen on your screen, but then they get sent to the server or to the thing that's like what everyone's seeing. And then it updates on there. So it updates for you. Like you do the input it updates on like your Xbox or whatever reads it. And then it sends it off and then it updates on like the main server. And that's why like, and, and it's really, really noticeable when someone has like a bad connection because 
when you're trying to play with a bad connection, what you're doing on your screen isn't actually happening on the server. So you get like this weird, like messed up stuff where you're like teleporting around and, and the server's trying to catch up with what your console's doing and all that kind of stuff. So it's, you know, it's based on the disconnect between what's happening for you on your local machine versus the machine that's sort of got, you know, that that's the main thing that everyone's connecting to. So yeah, it's just a, it's just a really cool mechanic that it's, it's good that the game highlights that kind of thing and hopefully, you know, educate some people about it as well. Yeah. Do you have any final thoughts? No, I'm excited. I mean, yeah, I'm just so excited about the OLED and about Halo and about the game awards as well. Even though they suck, they're still fun. You know, just don't take them too seriously. But yeah, no, it's been it's been a good it's been a good week gaming, and uh, this week's also going to be awesome. I agree. I think this week is going to be really fucking awesome, and I can't wait to play more games. I'm really fucking excited. All right, well, thanks for listening. Happy hunting. Peace out. See ya. Thank you so much for listening to Complete Edition. If you like the content, consider supporting us on Patreon.com/slash/CompletionClub. If you have any questions or would like to reach us, email completionclub at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to Complete Edition.